and welcome to Mechtrospective, the mecha podcast where we cover everything from Astro Boy to Mazinger Z. I'm Tooch. I'm Devin, and I'm in the backseat today. Yeah, you didn't call shotgun in time, and I have uh, the my my new microphone came with this little because the the branding for the new microphone is is like B. Is this specific microphone is a king B? There's other kinds of Bs, and it came with this little figurine. It's like a top. It's like a little Beyblade, but it's like a B with a crown on it, and I can spin it. That's in the passenger seat, because you didn't call shotgun in time. You're in the back, and me and the B are going to talk about Symbionic Titan by my main man, the straightest man in animation today, Genti Tartakovsky. <laughs> Everybody else making like cartoons now 60. is, like, hip and young and queer, and my, this this dad bod Russian motherfucker is over here like, I like samurai. Uh, <laughs> he has an American accent, but his he is, I, I'm pretty sure, I think he might be from Russia, if not first generation, um, but uh, yeah, he's like that's like a legit Russian Russian name. Yeah, uh, Tar- Tartakovsky. It took me a minute to learn how to say, but honestly, like Gendy Tartar Sauce. Despite his, despite his uh, heterosexuality, which is possibly the only <laughs> thing holding him back, in my opinion, he is. Yeah. he is one of my biggest inspirations, and I don't actually have a lot of ins- inspirations. Like I have styles that I like, and then I'll crib, and you know I'll, I'll work. I'll be like, oh, I wanna, I wanna implement that into my art. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tinker around with that. But I don't have a lot of like, quote unquote, like heroes or like idols or like people. I'm like, oh, that's my, that's my man. Um, I, you know, but Gendy Tartakovsky, their work, his work is consistently just like, this is the kind of shit I wish I could make. De- you know, early Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack, the 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 original Star Wars Clone Wars micro series. Fucking, I haven't watched Primal, but it looks lit. So my experience with Tartakovsky, I well, first of all, I'm gonna preface that my knowledge of Western animation, it like while I do have a lot have to have some knowledge of Western animation, it's way more, um. It's way more Tooch's wheelhouse than mine. Like, I I can talk more about anime than I can Western cartoons, but that's mostly just from the fact that, like, I went through a douchebag phase for a good, like, six, seven years. Right when I, right when I really got into good anime, where I was like, this is the only good animation that there is. And also, if you don't blame me, that was around, like, 2010, where this came out, and this was the only good cartoon in 2010. Yeah. So, I, I honestly feel like an idiot, because this cartoon... The timeline of this airing lined up with me com- completely giving up on cartoons. Um, and by no fault of this own show. I'm sure I would have watched this show if I knew it was airing. Yeah, not a lot of people did, or, like, people did, but it's like, you know, I feel like they were either they were either too old to, like... Because, like, the only people who watch cartoons past, like, the age of, like, 12 are, like, people in college people who want to do animation for a living, or, like, parents. And there's not a whole lot of other people. Like, there, there is more these days. But even back in 2010, yeah. even back, but especially back in 2010, because, like, 2010 was the turn of the decade, and I do think 2010 was, like, the herald of, like, a, a new, like, micro golden age of television animation, because it's, like, after the initial... After the initial... 80s boom of like fucking i think what literally like hasbro toy commercials because i think what literally happened was uh and i'm sorry to invoke his name uh but ronald reagan fucking 
I think he actually was responsible for making this the like mass consumerism marketing possible because I think there was some law in place that like you couldn't you couldn't use like a television show as like the sole some some loophole and like Reagan just like tweaked the law a little bit and then suddenly you could just use 22 minutes of airtime to peddle toys to children under the guise of actual entertainment. It it always kind of makes me sad. Because sometimes I'll, I'll, like, I'll read some interviews with, like, with writers from that era. Like, a lot of the, because, once again, like, a lot of these Hasbro, like, era shows, we're talking, like, Gem and the Holograms, G.I. Joe, like, fucking Transformers. My Pony, Care Bears, fucking Strawberry. Those being a little bit later. Yeah. But, like, all this, it's, that's, that's the jig to this Mazinger. <laughs> to, to bring it into this fucking garbage bin podcast. Um, but... Uh, because of that, that that created the boom, and very much it was it was very similar to, to the super robot boom in the seventies, mm-hmm. in that regard. Where and then, because from that you got people working in that industry that wanted to do something interesting with it, which is how we got Tomino. Yeah. Where Tomino, to, and we're going to talk about Zambot a lot in this episode. At least I am, because I kept getting Zambot vibes from this. Mm-hmm. Um, but. That was the that the main premise of Zambot Three was that Tomino wanted to tell an actual compelling story, while also making money, getting the funding from the toy companies to make this interesting show. Yeah, and and that kind of became the marriage of the mecha genre going forward. And that that w- was what started to happen in the West in the in the nineties because yes. back in the eighties they were airing like it was the Saturday morning cartoon era. There were there was no such like Cartoon Network wasn't a thing. You you watched you watched animated shows in in kid fo- in in blocks during the day on major networks where they knew kids were watching. So like Saturday morning. Yeah, that's when Common Rider and Super Sentai air on like major like uh, this air would air on like the equivalent of like Japanese NBC, yeah. but but they air it like really early in the morning on weekends. So it's like uh, it's like seven a.m. is Sentai, and I think eight. 8 a.m. is Common Rider. 7 a.m. Sentai, that's what they call me. And they've been, and it's been on that, like, time, and I think it's been on that time slot for, like, 30-something years. Damn. Uh, so, so then, once you get into, like, because, you know, like, back in the day, like, in, in the 80s, like, you just sort of had, like, your local broadcasting stations. Like, every, everybody had, N, like, NBC, for example, but you had, like, a local version of it. It was like NBC, ABC, CBS. Those were the three original channels, right? Something like that. And so, and then the '90s, you started. Ain't got no fucking HBO or Sci-Fi Channel or fucking Country Music yeah, Network. Like, so the, the '90s, the '90s was when HGTV. Well, the '90s was when DIY cable Network. got like standardized. But like, there was always there was cable in the '80s. But like, but then the '90s, enough people had it where they were like, okay, we can actually start making some interesting fucking channels because enough people are actually watching them now. Um, and because also that that was happening with live action TV as well because I'm a big David Lynch fan and I have to mention this but Twin Peaks airing in one of the first shows that really required a sequential narrative uh-huh. and not because there were mini series before Twin Peaks yeah throughout the 80s and stuff but like Twin Peaks was an actual syndicated broadcasted television drama or essentially a soap opera where but every episode needed to be viewed sequentially and that changed tv forever because like without twin peaks you don't you don't get x files you don't get like you don't get any of the of the hbo shows you don't get any of the the stuff you consider tv today yeah it was like the it was like that perfect middle ground of like so that was happening already a few years earlier in live action yeah like a produced product and 
a, like it, with like a serialized storyline because you're right like soap operas were doing that but soap operas were like the fucking funny papers of television they were just cranking yeah. shit out just so there's something on the tv um and then david lynch was like what if i thought what if we thought about it <laughs> <laughs> what if i actually made art in this format in um, this medium and then i would argue that that's also what a lot of animators were saying at the start of the 90s because 19 uh, around 1991 not only did you have a uh, cartoon network you also you had the cartoon network and nickelodeon are basically the same fucking age more or less give or take a couple years i think yeah and so you had i think nickelodeon came like first and i think cartoon network followed because nickelodeon Proved that that could happen. Yes. That was possible. Yes, and so Nickelodeon, you had, you know, you had like stuff like Doug. You had stuff like Ren and Stimpy. Because Nick was life. Nickelodeon was in was like very crowdsourced, very grassroots kind of creator driven network. Yeah. Where then Cartoon Network was then made by Turner. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I remember as a kid, I always get the Turner Classic Movie. Ads. Yeah. Um. And 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 so that was when you started having like you know th- they still ultimately were selling products but the products were usually the the commercials in between, um, yes. But and so that th- th- this was the era of like what if we actually made stories good enough for kids to watch so that they'll sit through the commercial breaks? False. I immediately went to another channel for two minutes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately, believe, I legitimately, legitimately believe that, like, in the long form of history, people will read about marketing in the history books as a fucking snake oil scam. Advertising does not work because this is what happens to kids. This is you make people like us when you barrage them with near constant flashy advertising. So, so this, so this heralded like you know the the fucking the old adage of like, well, at this point, I don't even know if people younger than us are even aware of this, but there was a large chunk of time when you were like a, an older teen or young adult online where it was just like the fucking nineties, bruh, is the best cartoons, man, fucking the best cartoons, man, and it's like we we just got done with the nineties, yeah, like no well, I no think shit, now they were the best go- ones, the ones that the ones before it were poorly produced commercials for toys. The bar is low. That became giant cultural phenomenons, though. Sure. Like, oh yeah, no, no, no. Like I'm not knocking them, but just, just, just in terms of yeah, like, no, I get you. Just in terms of like, you know, their, you know, their, their artistic, their merit. actual substance. Yes. Um, and like, there are things that that might be a little more valuable. Like I know H Bomber guy made that entire video, that like three hour saga video, analyzing uh, Transformers the movie. I honestly, which <laughs> got part of me fucking. I know there's there's so much good shit on YouTube, but all of it's like 45 minutes long at minimum, and I'm just like, I fucking miss when they made you do it in 10 minutes. <laughs> like, I'm sure they're great. I love I love that there's well produced content on YouTube, buddy. I'm I can't. I'm I'm a, I have a full time job and like a hobby. That's it. <laughs> I have to, I have just enough time to do this every week. And so yeah, like. Just to uh, just for context, Tooch is uh, like four. I think four years older than me. I'm I'm turning twenty five very soon. Next week, next weekend, literally. Oh, well, not literally a week. Uh, less actually. Yeah, on this this upcoming Saturday, I turn twenty nine. At the time so of this recording, be, on the eighteenth. So that means that the everybody wish Tooch a happy birthday. Wait, no, they're this is this is that well, happy belated birthday. Be li- well, okay. happy belated birthday to Tooch. Those. Well, because when you said that, only the um, the Quint episode will just be coming out when you said that. Yeah. The next day, so y'all better y'all better fucking watch Vote Times and listen to that Quint episode. Go back in time and tell yourselves to wish to happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> I guess that's what I'll I'm make it. I'll make a tweet. 
good. Um, so just for that context, so me and we we're we're kind of at like either ends of the of the like the bit. We're at either end of the back half of being a millennial. Yeah. Um. But so so at the forefront of this new era of like basically the the I think the the general understood phrase is like creator driven animation because before it was very much like executive mandated toy commercials that they then had to cobble together a show out of. Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon that are all do- everything done by committee. Yeah, Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon were the first studio, were the first like networks to have like studios and be like, okay, you're running this. You get your st- you get your staff together, make make a show. Like we have to like thumbs up or thumbs down it, but as soon as we give you like the go ahead for shit, you can just fucking make this thing. Like we trust you to make a product, and by and large, that's still mostly how they do it today. Yeah, like that's very similar to what happened with Vertigo Comics in the uh, toward the uh, the end of the eighties into the nineties. Even the, all the comics that became Vertigo Comics too. Then the like because after after Alan Moore's you know big falling out with DC, all these very successful British writers were now like, hey, what about our things that we're writing? We don't get a chunk of that. You're gonna you're gonna screw us up off like Alan Moore, and then they're all like, maybe we don't work for DC anymore. To the point where DC was like, okay, we'll you know, all these increasingly mature comics we put under a mature comics label, and then anything written by a writer that isn't already, you know, under DC's universe is completely owned by them forever. Nice. Which is how you got Preacher and the Invisibles, and, like, um, a lot, you how you got fucking, uh, 100 Bullets, a lot of other, like, original comics that don't exist in a continuity, but those are always owned by Grant Morrison, Garth Enos, and Brian Azzarello. Yeah, and so Gendy... It's like that, but for cartoons. Gendy was at the, Gendy was at the forefront of that, because Gendy, um... And, and this is where you get a lot of the initial, like, Cal, like CalArts alumni, I'm pretty sure that's where he went. Because him and uh, Powerpuff Girls creator Craig McCracken, the original Powerpuff Girls, not the remake series that I... I really went to bat for it when it was first coming out, and I wanted people to give it a chance, and it uh, disappointed but that's a different podcast that I no longer do. Uh, <laughs> my my disappointment is immeasurable. My day is ruined. So, so like Gendy was there from the jump because Gendy was actually Gendy even before like Powerpuff Girls and then with Craig McCracken like they were roommates in college. I'm pretty sure. And I think I I think I mentioned that I want the Western version of Blue Blazes starring Gendy <laughs> and Craig McCracken in college together. But realistically, they probably just like. They probably just, like, pulled all-nighters in the middle of, like, drinking or something. I don't know what they did. But, so... They seem like they smoke weed. Probably. Um, and so... So you have him working on Powerpuff Girls. He even did some work on, like, the Powerpuff Girls movie when that hit theaters, and sadly no one went to Which go see it. Which was good. It was fucking good. No one went to go see it because I it's like... It. It, it, turns out, it turns out that, like, everybody watched the Powerpuff Girls, not just teen girls, not just child girls. Yeah, Power of Girls was fucking always but great. But then when you asked those same 10-year-old boys to actually, like, ask their parents to go to the movies and to go see the Power of Girls movie, uh, not a lot of turnout because children are cowards. Uh, that's how I, that's my headcanon for why the Power of Girls movie failed. You, I actually vividly remember what it was like to go see that movie with my mom. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. I think I remember I you saying re- that, and I think I, I'm, I'm so proud I, of I you. I have, I know, I remember, I remember the mem- I remember the memory. Because I remember it was like, I, I wanted to see it, but I was like ashamed of wanting to see it. And I didn't understand why, because I didn't understand what like, 
you have like, like I, in that I, in that moment like, it dawned on you for the first time the ramifications of watching power of girls as a small boy yeah and i'm like when did that come out like 2003 it was like early it was like definitely seven. early 2000s yes so i was either like i'm like seven or eight and men in black 2 had just come out Ooh. and uh my mom's like do you want to go see men in black 2 and i was like okay because she asked and then i remember the um we got there and it was like it, it was just like, oh, the showing we were going to was, like, either full or canceled. Uh-huh. And that hasn't ever happened to me, like, again in my life. <laughs> but um, I remember, and then it was like, my mom's like, okay, we gotta wait, like, 45 Knowing minutes. Knowing Men in Black 2, the... it was probably canceled. <laughs> and then I... And then, so then I, I remember, I was just like, okay, we could either wait 45 minutes to, to see Men in Black 2. Uh, and then I remember, it was I saw that the Powerpuff Girls movie was there. And it was like 15 minutes. I was like, "Mom, do you want to go see that?" And Mom's like, "Oh yeah, let's go see that." And then we just saw that. Oh, that's. And I, and I felt, and then it was, it was good. And it was good. I remember like it. I was like, "Oh crap, it's an origin story." Holy shit, this is neat. Yeah, no, it was super neat. Um, and they even, I, I mean, I can't get into it. We're gonna be here all night. But, um, so Gendy was, so Gendy was in that era of cartooning, and then he, he, even before that though, he, he got his start on one of one of my favorite underrated cartoons. Uh, he. <laughs> I think he speaks ill of it because probably because it's his super early work uh, and it's easy to shit on. Two stupid dogs. He he was involved in two stupid yeah, dogs. Yeah, that was his what? first gig. Um, I don't know if he, he didn't like. I don't think he he didn't like create it. Obviously, it was his first job. He was probably working on like. I thought that was older in my boards. mind. Like in my mind, that was a show from like the seventies. But I don't well, uh, no, because it was that. That's what it was. That that's what it was inspired by. It was inspired by those old seventies like Hanna Barbera cartoons because it was produced. It was a Hanna Barbera cartoon, um, and it was it was in that same ilk of like animated shorts. It just blew my mind. That shows twenty years newer than I yeah, thought it's it was. It's like anime. It's, you know, it was, it was in that same original old Hanna Barbera style of like animated shorts with like marketable characters in short, like basic pitched ideas. And then like my. My favorite fucking thing in that was uh the re- was the ni- was the 90s remake of the original fucking 60 70s cartoon uh Super Secret Agent Secret Squirrel. Oh my god, another fucking you're just blowing well, like, yeah, my mind. You're just the, the original fucking opening opening hidden memories. What else is you going to What else are you going like, to fucking unearth The here? original Secret Squirrel was an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon from like the 60s and 70s and it, I don't remember a lot of it. I only caught a couple of the old reruns, but it was like it was like a cute little spy show where the little squirrel would have like gadgets in his hat and then like the two two stupid dogs. I wouldn't be surprised if Gendy was mostly involved in in fucking the Secret Squirrel remake because his his like the the sleek art style and like cool nature of it, while still being self aware that it's a silly cartoon, it was very it was my favorite part of Two Stupid Fucking Dogs. I remember way more about the Secret Squirrel bits in the middle than actually Two Stupid Dogs, um, and I always lamented that it never got its own like 22 minute spin-off show because yeah. it could it could have it so easily fucking could have oh my god um i don't think <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just i'm just fucking hollering that fucking secret two stupid dogs gave a lot of people their start like people like people like people involved in two stupid dogs gandy tartakovsky craig mccracken butch hartman for better or for worse seth mcfarlane for better or for worse god yeah a lot like um, yeah yeah dog Holy shit! But uh, so, eventually they they went off to make Power Dexter's Lab and Powerpuff Girls because those are yeah uh, yeah Dexter's Powerpuff Girls like was Craig's but Dexter's Lab was brands. Dexter's Lab was Gendy's that was Gendy's show and there was a lot of Dexter's Lab in this and we'll get to that yes 
Um, there's a lot of there's some there's a lot of stuff I picked up on this that I missed because um, I didn't know how much I loved Tartakovsky until I watched this again. Oh yeah, because I have not seen the new Samurai Jack for better or for worse. I don't know. I saw the first episode and then people people have disagreements with how the series ended and from what I heard it was uh, Gendy's heterosexuality running amok. But I'm sure regardless, it's a well. I'm sure the fight scenes and everything are still spot on. The uh, yeah. <laughs> But, um, so he, he, so Craig McCracken made Powerpuff Girls, and didn't they collaborate on Yeah, that? no, he was, like, the, you know, uh, Gendy was on his staff, basically. Like, he animated for the show. Because I remember his name was always in the credits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and a lot of people got their start on because Powerpuff I, Girls. Uh, Thurup Van Orman got his start on Powerpuff Girls, and he eventually would go to make the Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. God, there's so much genealogy. It's, I love that. That's what I Yeah, no, it's, it's so good. It's, it's just, like, a family tree. That's how that's how anime is too. If you look at that, like every because I was talking about Tezuka with a friend of mine, and he was just saying how Tezuka pretty much invented everything. And then you can look at pretty much every mangaka is at least built either worked with Tezuka at some point, and then like Tomino work got his start doing anime adaptations for Tezuka. Uh, that's why that's how Miyazaki got started, and like everything came from this one fucking dude. Even though he didn't physically invent manga, he pretty much he pretty much conceptualized everything that we now consider to be manga. Yeah, and because. Tezuka, to, I mean, this is a brief aside. It's like I I read that whole big that whole big biography of that whole big manga biography of Tezuka's life that they produced that they started producing almost immediately after his death. Um, yes, and you know it was extremely you know it was extremely rose tinted. It they they really wanted you to believe that Tezuka had a good family that he cared about and saw often, and that was not the case. <laughs> um, uh, but regardless, regardless of what they left out, what they put, like it, it gave you a real good sense of just like what a fucking workhorse this dude was. And but it also, you know, it it put it in context that like he didn't necessarily popular, like he didn't necessarily invent anything, but he modernized and popularized manga at the time because he was the only reason he drew manga from the jump was because he wanted to do cartoons, he wanted to animate, mm -hmm. and so he was the first mangaka to be like. What if manga had cinematography? What if, like, we actually cared about, like, shots and, like, where things are set and shit like that? And, like, make things more dynamic and, like, things are moving on the page. And, like, he was one of the first people to do that and, like, really show, like, impress people with it. And also in terms of just the pacing of the pacing of his, of the way he, he pre, he didn't invent it, but he also, you know, established the monster of the week kind of yeah. thing format the star system of recycling similar protagonists yeah uh tessica's tessica's great i'm sure we should like there's there's stuff of his we could cover because he he does robots. oh totally yeah. i mean i i say it in the opening uh, we cover everything from astro boy to mazinger <laughs> z i don't just do that because it's a to z i hope people get that joke i hope people know that that's yeah. why i say that because it's a little and obtuse and that's why <laughs> And that's why I said it's V for vo and this is V for Votoms. When we did the Votoms, I missed that. That's good. And I miss Votoms. God damn! <laughs> Welcome to so, Votoms Cast, where every week we talk about Votoms. <laughs> so, um, with Tartakovsky, I I think he's the first animator I ever became aware of as like a person, because Cartoon Network was kind of would kind of push him as like a almost as like a like a creator. Because I remember he was the first dude I remember that like, the really wanted to be like an auteur. And that's awesome. And I remember Samurai Jack being one of my all-time favorite cartoons as a kid. Like, I think Samurai Jack was, like, 
That was the coolest shit insane. when I was seven and eight. It was that's it. That was dope. It, and like so much of watching this, even though I'm not as enamored as I would be if I was seven years old, this show just reminded me of how much, how good those his, Tartakovsky's cartoons were. Because mm. I'm I'm the kind of person who hasn't really gone back and watched anything. I, I think I rewatched Samurai Jack back in high school with a couple friends because he had like the DVD set. Yeah. I and think we did I think we watched all of it. I'm pretty sure. But uh, so, but and then I hadn't seen the Star Wars Clone Wars movies in a while. So then, so I kind of was just like, okay, that my I thought this was awesome and super well done in the frame of mind of a 14 and an eight year old. This isn't. I don't think I'm going to be as enamored. And then I remember watching this, and I was just like, God, Tartakovsky was such a fucking good car, good cartoonist. This probably shaped why I like the shit I like Honestly, now. I, I think the the biggest thing is like. All of his inspirations, like everything that inspires him from childhood onward, the now that I really think about it, the core of what always interests Gendy Tartakovsky and what pushes his like muse is like fight scenes. He just knows yeah. he's always wanted to do like fight scenes. So, like a Samurai Jack is like you know it, he grew up in like you know the fucking seventies and shit. So it's like kung fu was at its fucking peak, especially in the West of like all the samurai shit, all the martial arts shit. He just soaked all that shit up like a sponge. And then when he was even younger, one of his biggest inspirations that got him into animation was Popeye the Sailor, and that motherfucker was thrown down in a moment's notice. Uh, I yeah. Sony, I will fucking. I will curse you until my dying breath until you let that man make his Popeye the Sailor fucking movie. That that fucking animated short he made to pitch that thing, it was fucking sick. So, with with about uh, dedicating a good chunk of the front of this episode to the history lesson, I think it's time we, we get into the show proper. Yeah, so this one was... Because I think, I don't know if you guys are more of it, that's the reason I, I let Tooch go on this huge history lesson, because I don't, A, I don't know anything about this, and B, because I assume you guys are more of an anime crowd, so it'd be nice to have the context. Yeah, so, so you know, like, fast forward past, you know, Samurai Jack, past the Clone Wars miniseries, which you should absolutely watch as a palate cleanser if you're putting yourself through the prequels, because... Because literally, I, and I, I only noticed this when I did it myself. The 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 two D Clone Wars miniseries, you can it's you can find like ninety minute supercuts of it on YouTube. It's the it's a oh yeah, I had them as I had both of them as they were cut into movies. Yeah, um, and I, so literally the the first episode the first episode of the Clone Wars miniseries starts at the very end of episode two the last episode yeah ends at the very beginning of episode three like they are launching to yeah, go get great. count dooku how many times do you think I, i've done i've 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 marathon the entire series and then watched those two in between it's two the and perfect palate cleanser i love it so much um so after that but and then after samurai jack back when i liked the prequels and now i'm back to liking the prequels because i'm a crazy person there there are things to like about the prequels everything bad about them is still bad um, but there are good things that I can appreciate now because I know that the bad things are bad, so I'm not, like, offended by them anymore. Um, that's a different podcast. Um, so they, they give them another show. They're like, okay, you, you know, we're gonna, you know, you're, you're good at this. Make another show, please. And we'll, we'll let you be even more violent and we'll let you be even more fucking hardcore because that's what people liked about Samurai Jack. So fucking crank it up, baby. Because Samurai Jack was held back by a lot of TV censorship because it was still on a kid's network, and that's that's why you'll notice that anytime Samurai Jack, like, slices or eviscerates something, 
it is either it is either a robot or it is a cyborg and if he ever slices off a part of a cyborg it's never one of the meaty parts <laughs> or if it's or if it is I mean, that's they're a why monster the, man that's the exact going back to the prequels that's the exact same reason that all the bad guys were droids was so that they could show the lightsabers cutting things up but like not have it be like people getting decapitated yeah um and so, yeah, that that like that that's why, and and the 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 basic rule that they had was like there could there could be blood wasn't ever allowed to be read. Uh. Yeah, it's that it's funny because in in I, I guess it, I noticed this the other day because uh, they just opened a round one arcade in America in uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and it's sick. But I remember I was um they have a lot of the imported Japanese machines, and so I was playing House of the Dead and the blood was green, oh. and I was like, it's funny because. The, the depictions of blood are a lot more, like, like toned down in Japanese games, but it's funny because in anime, there's a lot more, like, there's a lot more blood than in Western stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I'm just wondering if, because that now it's just making me think, because I'm just, I'm just now noticing that disparity, and I'm like, is that, like, do you think there's just different laws regulate, what regulates to animation and video games yeah probably it's weird because i i do remember that like and we were talking about this when you were talking about when television shows aired in japan like one of the things that i noticed when they when japan did dragon ball kai was that even in the original japanese television airing of dragon ball kai it was a little bit more edited like censored for content than it was in the initial airing and i looked up why and it was because dragon ball kai aired at an earlier time slot than the original Dragon Ball Z did back in the day, so they had to, there was, like, different censorship laws in place for that time slot. That's, that's fascinating. I'm sure there's a book on that that I totally read. Oh, yeah, and if not, someone should write it. Um, so he, so, you know, Samurai Jack was Gendy's love letter to, like, samurai and ninja shit and just, like, lone wolf and, like, he literally did a Samurai Jack episode towards the very end of the series that was just him. That is the last episode. Yes, it was just him jerking off to lone wolf and cub. Um, if, if you want more jerking off to lone wolf and cub, uh, not just, not, I mean, not, not just Devin, because Devin already knows about this, but everyone else, uh, Mandal, uh, some episodes of The Mandalorian, the, like, the first half of The Mandalorian honestly um but so he so this time he is doing more of his like inspirations and for this it was a lot more speed racer and voltron it was all of the like 80s anime that got like all the early anime that actually got imported to the west in whatever (laughs) version we ended up getting (laughs) Like it's funny because I was looking this up and it's seen because there's always the stereotype that anime has bad animation, especially in like '90s and 2000s cartoons. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that's a stereotype is because we would always get anime imported nearly a decade later. Oh, like yeah. Mazinger's, like Transor Z, aired in 1986, and the Mazinger Z's footage was already 14 years old. Yeah, and like honestly, and then the the same thing was with like the same thing honestly happened with like Power Rangers, and I don't know how more people didn't notice it because like zoo ranger aired in like freaking like like 88 right um, oh actually no it was like 92 to 93 but like regard and then then the money Morphin power rangers aired like a year later okay that was less about okay so that was less about the time but it was just more about like a completely different fucking type of camera like different film and it's just like different different shit um so that that was a big that was a big factor too of just like 
things just needing to be translated differently for for an audience that just didn't know didn't know anything about Japan except probably like how we bombed them and then they gave up <laughs> and how they're going to take over the world with their economy. Yeah. That was a big thing in the 80s <laughs> until the bubble burst and then everybody and then their economy has never recovered. Oh yeah. And then they were pretty much culturally the and then that cultural that cultural xenophobia was replaced by China. Yep. That's why that's why uh, that that's why that's why cyberpunk futures. That's why old cyberpunk futures had Japanese stuff everywhere and Firefly everyone was speaking Chinese. Yep. Um I would love some fucking futurism for once that isn't rooted in fear of Asian people. Uh that's the entire reason my friend Danny hates Blade Runner. Uh, yeah, no, I was looking in our I was looking in our group chat and they posted our Blade Runner episode. Someone did. Um, I I don't know why because I'm recording a podcast, but I noticed it. Yeah. So, at this point, uh, I I don't remember what Tart did. Tartakovsky do Fosters or was that somebody else? That was Craig McCracken. I don't know if he worked on it. That was, but that, that, was that was okay. No, that um, I should I need to give credit where credit is due. And because she also she also worked with him closely on Powerpuff Girls. That was also that was Craig McCracken co-created by Lauren Faust, who is married to him. They're they are an animated couple. I think they met either in college or on the or on the staff of Powerpuff Girls. And they would go on to do Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends together. And then she would do My Little Pony. And then I think they both came back to collaborate for Wander Over Yonder on the Disney Channel, a very underrated show that only got two seasons, but they're two very good seasons. Um. But yeah, uh, and then Lauren Faust is currently doing, Lauren Faust is currently doing DC comics stuff. She is, she initially made some shorts about like, uh, Supergirl, Batgirl, and Wonder, and Wonder Woman. Um, and then uh, years down the line, she, be Donna they, Troy. they got, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they finally gave her a whole series to do for like the super, like the super girls. I forget what the show's called, but I want to watch it because it looks very good and I love her fucking art style so goddamn much. Um, yeah, Lauren Faust. Her name's familiar. Now I'm remembering how much you, you talk about yeah, her. I do remember she's great. now. Love her today. But so they, yeah, they, and, they all did Power of Girls. They all did Power of Girls together. So, so what did Tartakovsky do in between after Samurai Jack? Um, cause I know that was going to have a movie, but that, but the movie didn't come to fruition because of the Powerpuff Girls movie not being a Yeah, that was in development. And Hollywood hates cartoons. The, the, the future, post-cancellation Samurai Jack went through so many different iterations. It was basically just like Gendy, oh, fucking, yeah, that's, okay, so he went to Sony Animation and he did, he, uh, he still might be doing to this day, if they want to make another one, the Hotel Transylvania movies. Oh, he did. He, those. Di- he, di- okay, he that- directed the animation of those. I think he didn't. I'm pretty sure he didn't write them. I think that was Adam uh, Sandler. Everyone likes him now. He was in a good movie, apparently. I mean, sure, as long as he isn't, as long as he doesn't write anything anymore, I guess that's fine. But uh, <laughs> he did. Like, I watched the first Hotel Transylvania movie. I don't know if I watched the second one. We did it. We did a Hotel Transylvania episode on the Toon Goons, I think, because Gendy directed it. And if you look at the animation, you can tell it's Gendy because it's good. Uh, <laughs> those movies look incredible. Um, and Mavis is which is cute. funny because Sony's usually not known for that. Honestly, like that, that's the thing. Like I, I think Sony Sony is one of those animation studios. Like Sony Animation, especially, is one of those studios that's like really hit or miss. I think every studio, 
Every studio that's not like the Disney Pixar stuff, I think all of them always have at least one or two good films under their belt, but everyone wants to focus on the bad stuff. Like, honestly, I think Illumination has more good films than not, but like they, they're the Minions studio, so everybody just shits yeah. on them all day. Like, I'm honestly... Because Nintendo cut that deal with them, so they're they're producing their animated films that Nintendo's trying to make, and they're they're about. I think at some point this year we're gonna get a Mario Brothers trailer. I'm honestly optimistic. I want to see what they do to it, but um, I I would like if Mario and Luigi are mostly nonverbal, or at least Mario's mostly nonverbal. I mean, they made a whole movie starring a bunch of mostly nonverbal little monster characters. So if anybody can do it, it's Illumination. Honestly, yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, there's a like, there's a chance. All I'm saying is there's a chance. So what? So what came to the what came what was what came to the creation of of uh. Uh, Symbionic Titan. Symbionic Titan. I I I don't I, know. I, the, I, I'd never heard of the show until later. I don't know like the backroom deals, but basically, like Samurai Jack was successful, and they gave so they wanted to give Tartakovsky another show, and this is the show that he fucking pitched to them, and they said because that's what happens, right? Like when, when you think about pitching a show, you you might think about somebody coming in with like a fucking presentation of like this is this is my opus, this is my show, um. But more times than not, like, I I'm sure that happens, but m more times than not, uh, a studio or, like, a network is looking for something specific in mind. And so, like, you know, I could imagine Cartoon Network being, like, coming to Gendy because they know, because they already knew that Gendy is good at this kind of shit, and they were like, hey, we want to we make a show like X, Y, and Z. Can you give us a pitch? And Gendy probably was like, I'm getting Tarakovsky. You're goddamn right I can. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, and I, I didn't dig, I didn't dig too deep into why, but one of the things in the production that I read was like, Gendy has said that uh, Symbiotic Titan was the most challenging project he has ever done. <laughs> yeah, and I, um, and I'm not sure why I'm, I'm, I'm being linked right now by my phone. I almost said by my telephone to an article from 2010, I think, on Wired.com. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It's been the most challenging project I have ever done, but hopefully it will be the most rewarding. Uh, after cl after Clone Wars, I thought we had reached our plateau as far as quality goes, but there are certain sequences from Titan that I think have gone far beyond anything we've done in the past. So basically, this is just him, like, going ham. Like, every, every ship. I could tell. Yeah, I can fucking tell too, dog. And I think with that, um, well, I okay, no, I also want to mention because you know, like we talk, we talk about Gendy as an auteur. This show actually has two other people credited as being a creator. Um, pa um, Paul Ruddish, uh, who is who d who does a little bit of everything in the animation industry. Um, you know, anim who does anime? Uh, yeah, anim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um animator writer voice actor uh he, he worked in Cartoon Network Studios he's like he worked with Gendy on Cinematic Titan and uh, currently currently he works on the new Mickey Mouse shorts that they've been coming out with on Disney that I am a super big fan of um he worked on he worked on and again he was a big player in the 90s boom of animation he his early career was like on Batman the Animated Series he worked with Gendy and Craig McCracken on Dexter's Lab and the Powerpuff Girls and Samurai Jack and he even worked on the Clone Wars miniseries so this is like this is one of Gendy's boys um and then the 
And the third name is Korean, right? No. That's the lead animation director. Yes. The other one is Brian Andrews, who um, who probably has the biggest batch of credits right now um, in film, specifically, uh, because he got his big break being a storyboard artist with Gendy Tartakovsky, and this is also what Gendy was doing at this time on Iron Man 2. Wait, oh! Yeah. Yeah, dog. People forget that live-action movies also need storyboards. Uh-huh. Even more now than ever that there's less and less actual physical things happening in front of a camera. And so, uh, after Iron Man 2, he went on to be... I mean, he, he was just... He's, he's just a storyboard artist in general. But then after that, he did the storyboards and the prologue animation. Okay, he worked on Cinematic Titan. He did the storyboard and prologue animation for the 2011 film Priest. Um, and then he would go on to work on Avengers, Iron Man 3, Thor Dark World, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, so your joke was ironic, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Infinity War, and he is... He, oh, this is interesting. He is a director on an upcoming animated Marvel series where they're apparently, they're making an, an, an animated anthology series of the What If line. Good. That sound, that's interesting, except I'm probably not going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, no. <laughs> don't worry, Devin. I'll watch it for you. I'll pirate it. <laughs> good. Um, I, I just want the mouse to burn. So fucking, like, good Good people are heading this show. Talented people. Yeah. So, now, I guess, is where we properly begin the episode. (laughs) Yes! 40 fucking, 40 Uh, minutes, 45 minutes in, let's do this. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, first of all, I'm going to play the intro music. And that was it. Great, right? Yeah, I played the entire thing. I kind of don't remember it. That was around. This was around the era in animation where they were taking a lot of cues from like television dramas and like not having an intro sequence. It's fifteen seconds long, and it's a couple guitar riffs as it pans around the model of Titan and has like Lance's face and then Alana's and then um. One of my uh, not necessarily hot takes, because who cares? But one of my takes about this era of animation was like. The Thundercats reboot would have gotten a full like multi-season series out of out of it if they actually fucking made an opening and used the original Thundercat or like a recover. Oh yeah, they didn't. It was just like uh, the Thundercats logo and the cartoon started because I guess they needed that thirty fucking seconds for like more storytelling in their fucking or maybe more commercials. That too, but like like shit, man. Intros are important. You know how much fucking you know how. You think you think twelve year old me would have watched Evangelion without a Cruel Angel's thesis? Fuck off. <laughs> and so, yeah, like honestly, I, that's how I'm I'm gonna be a bit of a dick here because this is where I'm going to tout my my otaku weeaboo flag, and say like, it, 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 dude, if if Western animation and TV took a took a page out of like. Japan for making like big intros. I think everything would there be was there like, was a time sometimes on TV there was a time where I thought get... they were going to. I was waiting for it and it just didn't 
come. Like, for example, I, I recently watched True Detective for the first time, the, the first yeah. season. And that was incredible. I loved the first season of True Detective. It was It's probably the best HBO thing I've ever seen. It's good. And that had, like, a full-on, like, 90-minute opening sequence that was beautiful. And I'm like, good! Like, I'm not saying, you, like, you need to do, like, anime and toku openings in the West. I'm just saying, dedicate 90 seconds to a theme song that establishes the mood of the show. Yeah, honestly, if if anything, more and more shows are doing the opposite. Because what, what you're talking about is using the allotted time to, esta- to establish a tone and not necessarily just mimic the all of the tropes of an animated opening. They yes. have done the opposite. The example, they have crammed all of the anime opening tropes in a 30-second opening, and, I mean, it's still cool, but it's just like, man, y'all should have done the reverse. Yeah, because it's like, once again, I'm gonna use, if you haven't seen True Detective and you don't even care about True Detective, just, just look up True Detective Season 1 opening. I, it's on YouTube. Just and, imagine, like, if you just, want the True Detective that's experience, what I, just imagine me turning to you and going... Just stop saying odd shit. <laughs> Sorry. I laughed really hard at that. I don't know my why. favorite line. And I think immediately after job. that, he just, like, he nods and then goes, like, so, like, how did you sleep last night? And he goes, I don't sleep. I only dream. And then Woody Harrelson's yep. skeleton leaps out of his body. <laughs> god that show is great but for example that's um just look up that opening and that's mostly what i mean i'm not saying we need like i just we don't i, need, I feel we that's... don't need woody harrelson and fucking um what's this other man's name matthew, matthew mcconaughey fucking <laughs> we don't need a shot of them running against the sunset on the beach we don't need that so as i'm saying just I li- I'm I'm pro openings. I am against skipping openings. I think it's sacrilege. Endings are optional, but I feel you should at least watch it maybe a little more than fifty percent of the time. Yeah, no. Um, j- jazz is a big like. Oh, let's skip the opening and ending, even when they're really good. When we're binging something, and I'm you know I'm I'm not gonna be a dick about it, but I'm always just like, Ugh, but it's so. No, good. be a dick about that. This is a thing that you need to be a dick about because that's part of the ritual of watching anime. If you're gonna be a dick about anything in the relationship, be a dick about Don't tell that. Me to be a dick to my wife. Um. <laughs> This is like one part where it's okay to be a dick in your relationship. No, we're not skipping the fucking opening. It's like, <laughs> God. Um, I mean, that would be me, and that's why that, that's why I'm single. God. Um. <laughs> so the symbiotic tight symbiotic titan opening is less than stellar, but um. So first of all, what I wanted to bring yes. up of uh, is. Yeah, as you notice, the, there is a lot of Japanese influence here, and I'm not sure how much of it is, like, direct, because I could not get the show in um, Invincible Superman Zambot 3 out of my head, which is the which is the first real Tomino I doubt it's that. I doubt that one is on purpose. Because it's so similar in a lot of weird ways. Because that show was about three... Uh, children who are part of the, like, or, like, preteens. They're younger than the cast of this. I'd say the cast is, like, 13 or 14. And they're the last remaining members of the, like, of, like, the ruling class 
of this planet that was completely destroyed by bad guy aliens. Mm-hmm. So they 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 escape on a spaceship that has this their final you know ho- the final legacy of their species, the Zambot Three. Sure. And so they come to Earth, and from there on, it's a pretty tr- it's a pretty typical '70s robot show until you get to the thing. Because in, in Mazinger Z, Steel G, Getter, shit just is blowing up everywhere. Yeah. Like, Mazinger, like, buildings are exploding, nothing, like, trains are exploding, and, like, so, Zambot 3 really wanted to, like, address that, of, like, what are the repercussions of a, of a robot fighting a monster, or another yeah, robot in, what a are the repercussions, in a populated like, urban space? What are the repercussions of super-powered collateral damage? Shit that the fucking, like, modern Marvel films just never want to fucking touch. <laughs> They did a bit in Spider-Man: Homecoming, which I appreciated, yes. but well, that not, was Sony. not nearly enough. Yeah, good, good on you, Sony. But uh, so the big, the part where Zambot Three stood out from all the other contemporaries of the late seventies, uh, where that was the Super Robot boom that we mentioned earlier. Just so many Super Robots selling so many toys, and I'm sure only a quarter. I'm sure only the quarter that I know off the top of my head are like the good ones, and I'm sure there's millions that were bad. Yeah. But, so, at this point, whenever there's a big monster, it would go out of the way, like, like Godzilla, almost, to show the, the, how scary it is to be on the ground, and also that the people of Japan fucking hate Zambot 3. It's not like, like, every time they would, like, the main characters would get off after they'd be defeated a monster, people would just be like, fuck you, Zambot 3, you're the only re- the only reason these aliens are here is because they're after you, they don't, we don't give a sh- we have nothing to do with this, and yet you're just here, and every time you fight, everything blows up, and it's not good. And so the series, I guess, spoilers for Zambot 3, but this is what made Tomino famous, was that it ended with two of the three pilots sacrificing themselves to defeat the bad guy at the end, leaving only the main character alive, as he then cries because he doesn't. he's unsure if humanity was really worth protecting in the end. Or dying for. Yeah, that's Tomino. Um, and then he made Gundam. <laughs> so, um, I, ca- I couldn't get that out of my head because that was a big flavor of this show. I kept thinking Zambot, I, but I, more, I, but a little more of the Hulk too. Yes. Cause I, that, that was, that's what I was going to say was cause I, I think just both the East and West were, were very interested in that during the, the time period that symbiotic titan wants to evoke because not only not only is it cribbing a lot of aesthetics and and story beats from like super because that's the thing right like a a lot of super robot shows had the same initial setup as zambot 3 but tomino tomino back then was doing what gendy was doing now of like what if we took this premise and like tried to make something compelling out of it and so obviously you would get a similar thing because it's like you know, uh, Volt- like Voltron or Go Lion, like had that whole similar pe- like like Princess Alora was like the, one of the last of her species or whatever, and like shit like that, and that that's very much where you get. I Alana. can't speak for how much Voltron changes from um from Go Lion source material. I know that there's a lot of differences in the plots, I, but I don't. I can't speak to the details. I assume it's somewhat similar, just because I don't know why you wouldn't. But then again, I also don't know anything about here's why i don't trust i don't trust it because they ordered daltonius uh another 80s (laughs) that's true super robot with a with a lion on its chest 
and they couldn't remember the name of the show they bought the rights to. So they told the Japanese the Japanese studio, I think it was they told Sunrise, "Can you send us the one with the lion?" And they sent Vulture, and they sent Go Lion, because <laughs> I think they heard. And then they were like, "Oh, this works." And they, said, and they were they just did that vine of like the guy pouring out the cereal, and then lemons comes on. He just goes, "Well, when life gives you lemons, <laughs> well, when life when yeah, life that's... when life gives you lions." And I think I think Go Lion is an infinitely better design than Daltonius, oh, so that would yes. be a completely alternate Splinter timeline. Daltonius is just a shittier Galgagar. It, it, it's just it was Galgagar twenty years too early. Yeah. Um. So. So it's 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 doing that, and it's also doing a lot of Western stuff, like the Hulk and like Spider Man, like Bronze Age Hulk. Yeah, of just this i this idea of like you know th- this is the this Very is the Bronze he- Age Marvel. This is the hero people need, but not the one that they want. Yeah, like that was Spider Man's whole deal too. Yeah, and. It's very Marvel, not very. And DC, honestly, but like very during the time period, I I would be like maybe fucking, maybe Tomino fucking saw some fucking like Marvel comics back in the day and went like, hey, we should do this with robots. Who could say? Who could say? Spider Spider Man Spider Man was a fucking thing in Japan. Yeah. We know it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's the hardest I made you laugh yet. I want to fucking do. I I want to do Japanese Spider-Man so bad on this show. We will. We'll do. But unless we'll either do it on this show or if we do a spin-off Toku show, we will. Change Leo Palom. Once this becomes a full, once we can we can justify this being our full-time job, we'll we'll do it. We'll do. To, we'll start doing Toku. God. Um. So. So th- this th- this show, but like, look, let's get down to the nitty fucking gritty. This show opens strong. It does. The first episode of this is is very good, and I was thinking instead of doing our 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 standard plot synopsis, we would just go episode by episode because the Western shows still are very more episode based than, yeah. than especially anime. Like, like honestly, especially with, during this time. I, I like this is this is the swan song of of like popular episodic cartoons. This is both this is both the swan song of that and the growing pains into serialized more anime inspired storytelling that we would eventually see out of late series Adventure Time and Steven Universe which was about to come out a couple years later. This show I think was 2 years too yes, early. Yes, I that's exactly what I said like exactly 2 years too early. 2012 the show would have killed. Tumblr would have been jerking off. Oh. Yeah, Tumblr would have loved this. I keep thinking that like if this came out this if this came out in either 2008 or 2012 this would have been a much more popular yeah, two, show. 2000, 2008 2008 it would have been it would have been revolutionary it would have started the new golden age like chow like okay i think 2008 cuz 2008 also had chowder and it had the marvelous misadventures of flapjack and those two shows those were like the last cartoons i remember and watching and those two shows le- very much led into reg- like as a like, kid, yeah. Th- those two shows lit into Adventure Time and and regular show, especially because. But through some live action growing pains. Yeah, that two thousand nine two thousand nine was the darkest timeline. But uh, all those shows got canceled. Uh, the one the one the one that Andrew W K hosted, I think, lasted a minute, so that was good for him. But uh, <laughs> um, so. Uh, J.G. Quintel, who created Regular Show, got his start on The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. 
Um, cool. Flapjack was good. I can I can definitely see that DNA now that you pointed out to yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the the weird kind of texture of everything too, because I always loved how Flapjack everything had such. It weird was so grimy. It. Uh, specific like it, it was such a good grimy fucking... show. <laughs> Thorpe Van Orman has lived a life. He just sort of, like, ran away from home for a minute when he was, like, 14 and just, like, literally just, like, lived the fucking Tom Sawyer dream and, like, worked on a boat. It was weird. <laughs> That's, I'm glad I know that now. And he, he was famous. He was famous for just, like, making friend like, like, he, he's obviously really friendly. He voices Flapjack. Um, it's, he's this big, huge, bearded man who can do this, like, little boy voice. Specifically, <laughs> and honestly, like... Paul Rubens was supposed to voice Flapjack. Uh, Paul Rubens, who who did, um, he was Pee Wee Herman. Um, he was supposed he oh was supposed God. to voice Flapjack, but like the the day they were set to record, he just he fucking no showed on them. <laughs> and Thorup was just like, "Fuck it, I'll do it." Like, "Hey, it's me, Flapjack." <laughs> um, and he based Flapjack off of his son, who's like this little adorable little blonde haired boy. And uh, I don't know if you saw the last episode of Flapjack, but the last episode of Flapjack had him had like flapjack and knuckles uh drinking some weird drink and it turned them into like live action photos like jpeg animatic photos of real people and it was thurp van orman in extremely heavy ugly blue prosthetics to make himself look like captain knuckles (laughs) and he are you kidding he just he just literally just had his adorable little son cosplay flapjack um, and it was adorable, and it was great. But he was known... That's so funny! He was known for, like, just kind of, like, galumping around car- the Cartoon Network Studio hallways and just, like, wrestling people? <laughs> so, do you want to talk back to science I wonder for a if, I wonder if Thorpe Van Orman ever wrestled Gendy Tarakovsky. Probably. I want... So you- Gendy probably tried to take him. I need that fight. I I mean, just like how I allegedly sometime in the eighties, uh, Tomino and Miyazaki had to get escorted out of like an a, an event because they were punching each other. I I don't believe I'll. That's funny, but what's funnier to me is that every now and again, like if they have to work in similar like in nearby buildings, they'll fucking cross each other on the street, and it's just two at T, Jotaro and Dio fucking walking up to each other. <laughs> So, do you want to talk mech designs for a minute? Because there's only, like, four. Okay, this is when I realized what aesthetics that they were going for. Not, well, okay. All of their background characters, they're going for, like, those, like, 1950s... It's very Dexter's It's very lab. Dexter's Lab, but, I mean, Dexter's Lab is going for the same style of, like, very, like, 60s, like, like hip, modern, sort of, like, minimalist, like, uh, almost like... Archie comics like there's there's some characters that just in this show that just look straight out of like Archie comics or just like freaking like I just think of like I think I know what it is modern 60s like go-go like cartoon ads and magazines and shit I think this is just a pop culture representation of the era where Gandhi Tartakovsky was in high school yes 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 and Dexter um, was that for when he and, was a kid yes and but what what hit me the strongest, and we see both of these in the opening, is Octus's initial like his robot form. His robot form, Octus's robot form is to me screams Jack Kirby. 
It does. I, I feel like if he drew it, though, he'd be filled with that fucking Kirby crackle. Oh yeah, like, and I'm sure if they had, honestly, like, if I'm sure if they had the budget for it, the Kirby, the 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 Kirby shit would have just been all inside of him, just like all the bubbles and all the everything. Um, but and then that happened. So then Octus comes on screen, and I'm like, that reminds me of Jack Kirby. And then G three shows up, and they're Ishinomori as fuck. They're 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 just the most Devin. These are my favorite character designs. Oh dude, I I've think. Ever- fucking scene i i love i like we'll get into the into the g3 but i think that's my favorite part of this show was their angle yes just yes that- yes 100 percent, 100 fucking percent it was literally just it was literally just like what if shotaro ishinomori invaded a different cartoon that he didn't work on yeah I, it's so then we we have um lance and alana's uh kind of armors I like Alana's yes. way more than I like Lance's. I think Lance's... Uh, I think it's the proportions that I don't like on it. I think it just works better for Alana's. Yeah. I think I think Lance... Lance, I think they tried really hard to make a toy that never happened, I don't think. Because it's like, I feel like if they... The design itself isn't bad. I just don't like the, the proportions they gave it. Yeah. Also, also I wish... I wish it was a little bit more unique because Lance's armor is a very Lance's Lance Lance pilots Azaku. Yeah, it's in terms in terms of his planet's culture, in terms of his planet's military, Lance pilots Azaku too. Yeah, like you know, you have to you have to fucking be cool to to, to get one. Be be cool to get one, but everyone everyone at your level in the military has one and i was really hoping for like he had like a royal guard variation. variant or something like that yeah like kind of or just like he you know he he's like a bad boy I, maybe he like customized his is red it. yeah <laughs> yeah 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 that's how you know like that's how you know this show isn't as mecha as it could have yes. been yes i feel we needed to be on this ta- on this staff <laughs> Our entire job would just uh, be to be like, no, 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 because like, I would be there day one. I'd be like, what the fuck is this fifteen minute, this fifteen second shit? Get out of here with that! Uh, and then I would be like, why does nobody? Why do they not have attack names? And I, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. God, that's true. They don't. Because they, they, uh... what I do like is that it's it's remedied because they do a real robot thing. Because people always say real robot stuff isn't doesn't have any verbal cues, but they do. Because it's more like it's more like badass techno battle in Real Robot, where it's like high mega launcher attach target acquired, like shit like that is very like, yeah, like Real like, Robot like, when, equivalent of like, like when, whenever they say like whenever they say stuff, it's because they have to say it because they're in communication with with like base. But like they also they, make they it to tell sound way cooler than it would be. Yeah, absolutely. Like you just be or like just Amuro saying like fin funnels away. Something right. like that. It's it's way that's the they do that and I appreciate that they did that. It's like so it, that that was good because they they will like they'll summon their sword or their shield and that was cool. Um, what do you think of the Titan itself? I like it. I I wish it had a little more like for variety to it. Not necessarily. For, I, I don't know. I like I, the design because it's unique. I like the like the it's Roman unique. centurion, or is it Greek? I don't remember if the Greeks or the Romans had the Mohawk things. Um, if the Greeks did, then the Romans probably also did, because ninety nine percent of the Romans' aesthetic was just, hey, you know who we love? The Greeks. the Greeks. Yeah. So it has like it looks like like a Romans. I'm gonna say Roman centurion. Yeah, and I, that's a good look. 
I always appreciate kind of that. You got, um, it has the transparency kind of thing. I love the way the cockpit looks, because that's so conceptual and weird. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, it reminded, and, that and reminded I, me of Galgaigar, actually, because my favorite thing about Galgaigar was it's so vague and ambiguous as to how Guy operates. Because he just gets eaten by, by Galio, and that's it. <laughs> Which is really what happens here. Like, I don't even necessarily, like... And again, like this, this might be this might be rooted in his iron, his work on Iron Man too. But th- when they pilot their solo armors, it's just Iron Man shots, yeah, of them of their heads with with HUDs. We don't know what they're doing in there. Cause in like Alana's is like is a one to one power armor, and Lance's is a little more. I think it's like scope dog size. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think in terms of his size to the chest, but it's a very tall, large mech. Like it's it's got it's got longer proportions. Than I would say Alana's has, oh, like I wouldn't say Alana's would classify as a mech just by our criteria, because like as soon as we say that anything smaller than a scope dog is is power armor, that's when immediately obsolete comes out, and you're like, oh. Yeah, you know, I think there's wiggle room. I think there's wiggle room. I think it's I think it's a mech just because of everything else around it and just the way it's treated. Um I I think I think if there was, you know, in some weird world where it was some kind of mandate that they had to have a cockpit, they probably just would have like upscaled it and then we could call it a mech, but like they probably opted to they probably did it to save like animation and not have to work out, you know, if you don't have a cockpit, you you don't have to design a cockpit and you don't have to animate them. I in the also cockpit. think I know also know what it was. Is probably they also had a toy idea concept where you could put like a Lance action figure in the in the in the robot action and like the arm. Probably, yeah. And that's it was it, it it was very to me that was very Godmars. Yeah. No, I did get some cuz Godmars also has the kind of the Roman helmet look. Yeah, too. And also like I think Godmars is like a person inside of a mech inside of a mech. Yeah, cuz it's um the way Godmars works is it's it's uh, the six robot combiner Godmars. So you have the main character with the I think his name is Takeru. Takeru would get into his mech Gaia, which would then dock into a chest and head mech, and then the other four the other five the other four were the limbs. Yeah, and that's Godmars. But yeah, go 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 Godmars. Yeah, Godmars is great. We're gonna do Godmars one. I think Godmars might be one of the the first like re, like eighty super robots we do. Hell yeah, I'm ready. I fucking, lo- I've been wanting to watch Godmars forever. Now, now there's an opening I will not skip. Go Godmars, uchu no kakero. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, <laughs> I got it wrong that time. <laughs> That's even fucking funnier. Um, so they cra- like they crash land on this planet on Earth. On Earth. And you know, through through explication, it's very quickly. It's like you know they came here in duress. It is an emergency. They don't they don't want to be here, but they have to be here. And their planet is nothing good's happening on their planet. I I think this also this this first scene indicates exactly what I think Tartakovsky is so good at, which is why I think he was so good at making cartoons was that you don't want to stress a kid out by having too much violence and too much like drama happening. So he's very good at sprinkling in just enough levity in between shit to make it like more palatable to a younger audience. Yes. 
I will say though that um, he all that Gendy not only like he he is on record saying this is one of the challenging shows, the most challenging shows he's worked on. But he also has said that he does not te- in terms of in terms of his mindset while producing the show, he doesn't consider this a children's show. Yeah. And that also is apparent when you watch this. Do you think this would have fared better if it was allowed to be TV-14 and aired on Tsunami? Like adult, like, uh, like, if this was, like, Saturday nights on Adult If this was, like, 9 p.m., like, it's not quite, it's, like, on the border of when, like, so, like, I could see, like, you could have, like, you could have, like, like a fourth grader or fifth grader watch this, but, like, this would be, like, when younger kids are going to bed, but this might be, like, the thing you catch before bed if you're, like, getting older, if you're, like, 10 or, like, 9. Yeah, no, like this because this was TV PG because I didn't watch it on Netflix. So I don't have Netflix. So I watched it on on like Kiss Cartoon or whatever. All right, and so you you got the you got the the little V chip up in the corner. And every time, and then every uh, and then every, at the beginning of every episode, it said, "Up next, Generator Rex," <laughs> <laughs> which I was just like, I don't even remember that show. That that was what the Ben Ten crew made after the first Ben Ten series, and then Ben Ten made all of its sequel shows that like I was never able to fucking get into. But uh, so yeah, they crash land on this planet. What made me think of that is that like you have these obviously you know stressed out people in a bad situation talking about dark things, but immediately Lance then slams his helmet down on Alana and like holds his breath because he doesn't know if the if the atmosphere is toxic or not. Yeah, no, that's that's a really great bit. I I love how like and you know it's the it, opposite it, of that Sun Savotom's bit. It's this is all in retrospect because now that I've seen the whole series, I know I know Lance as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, cause they eventually, and now that I think about it, this was this was a trope of episodic television. These days, these days, there's either one. The origin episode is just the first episode because they're more confident that they're going to have a full series run. Or two, if they do do an origin thing, it's like framed by like a flashback that has some context with whatever the current point in the timeline is. Like whatever's happening, quote unquote, now they'll find an excuse to go like, oh, this reminds me of something from our origin And then story. they'll and play then that, that sound effect between. of like the do and then like... Yeah. Symbiotic Titan reminded me of this older era of quasi, you know, episodic, quasi-serialized storytelling before they fully committed of just like, sometimes they would just produce the origin story and show you later, and you just kind of yeah, went with it Yeah, this episode just has two flashback episodes with no frame story, which is great. Yeah, no, like that, that they used to do that shit, and like honestly, I kind of miss it. Like, actually, that's that's something I thought about because I I I remembered I I actually saw a single episode of this around when this was re-airing on Adult Swim Tsunami. Because mm-hmm. I think I'm thinking this is like 2013, 2012. Because I know I'm hanging out with my high school friends because I know I remember watching it at one of their their places in like their attic, and. Yeah. We would just have Toonami on because we would play anime, and we'd just we'd be doing something else without just the noise. But I remember one time it was Symbiotic Titan, and I think it was like what episode was it? I have the episode list right in front of me. It was um, uh, I think it was uh episode sixteen, Escape from Galaluna. And I'm watching this, and yeah. I'm just like, oh, this is this this is Samurai Jack stuff. I think this is Symbiotic Titan, because I was aware of the show, but had never watched it. And I was like, oh shit, I think this is the first episode. Yeah, and like, you know... And then I said to myself, oh, maybe I'll catch the second one next weekend, and then I never did. Of course. But, 
So, like, because we have that episode, but then even before that, we have, like, the the baby Lance starring in his own fucking YA sci-fi novel. Yeah. It gave me so much, like, young adult novel fiction vibes. You don't even fucking know. It's better know. than half oh, of them. It was so good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, but, but like, seeing him, like, going so hard. He's, he's trying so hard. Like, he's trying so hard to be, like, the good fucking, like, knight protecting the princess because the king told him to. And, like, after watching this series, that informs so... Because, like, he... That's not him. He's He is acting out of character so hard because when you watch the Escape from Galaluna episode, it's like, oh, like, this is him reacting to, you know, not just the crisis happening, but, like, the king finally, after his entire childhood, like, trusting him with something, accepting him, like, believing him, trusting him, saying, I'm gonna, I'm actually, like, no, this is me and you, and we're real now, and you've proven yourself, and I need you to do this for oh, me. Oh, yeah. And so now, he's suddenly like, I gotta, fu- I gotta protect this princess so fucking hard because my not-dad told me to, and holy shit. So, before we, we, we continue with, with, and dump into the nitty-gritty of the summary, let's just roll it through the characters. Yes. Uh, so let's, uh, so first up... <sighs> We have Lance. Yes. Uh, Lance has going to guy sideburns, and his hair looks like Hayato's, and I like it. His hair, like, also, like, I think, like, the, the, the joke that I made on, like, social media while I was watching this was, like, I think Gindy Tartakovsky, like, deadass was just like, oh, like, what if we, like, in, what if we? What if our protagonist was inspired by like Lance from Voltron? And someone was like, "I mean, do we want like? Do you think it's cool if we just name him Lance?" And Gendy was probably like, "Fucking Voltron hasn't had a successful reboot in like a million years. Like, it'll never happen." Uh, well, it's because like he looks he looks more like Keith. Yes, but he's named Lance. But like, it's funny because I kept wanting to call him Keith, but I'm like, no. You're right, yes, I, I got Keith and Lance confused. Maybe because they pilot the wrong colored fucking lines. Uh, in Go Lion, they do. In both of them, they do. Well, the, the, DreamWorks Voltron has them switching lines a lot, especially after Shiro comes back. It's a weird thing. Uh, they don't, I don't know. Uh, it's neat, it's interesting. It's like, on one hand, on one hand, I appreciate that they, like, that they that they, like, go through the effort of having, like, a mini-arc where, where Keith pilots the Black Lion because he has to have a whole thing where he, like, you know, has to convince the Black Lion to, like, listen to him and whatnot, and then they have a whole thing. But then, like, Shiro just, like, comes back, and then it's like, whatever. So... Pay us on... Pa- pay us Patreon money to cover Voltron, <laughs> and we'll do it. Um, um, I, like, I like Lance a lot, and... He he comes like he's a very good take on on the cool character. Uh, he is honestly, I think I think he's really one of the early examples of like the like people making a self aware edge lord yeah. that you actually like. And I feel like I like how there's so many jokes that everybody just you ble- like unanimously thinks Lance is super cool, and Lance just kind of hates it. Like Lance either hates it or is indifferent or just doesn't fucking get it. And it's um, it, that. But then like, but then like, th- that's not even his only shtick because then then he he does have moments where he is that character. Yeah, and he does play the role of like you know super robot protagonist very well. Like he is very much a super robot character done by Gendy Tartakovsky. He's like, 
that fucking fr- like they they change his physique a little bit, but they they change his character model for his for when he's shirtless towards the end of the series. He gets a little bit more muscle definition in the end, but that that first episode where he's just like living in his like empty f- f- fucking <laughs> furnitureless Spartan ass room, and he's just fucking doing like fucking ceiling fucking pull ups or whatever, and his like his like thin fucking swimmer's body he's it's lean he's like he's got a lean lanky ass body and there's just so much muscle definition because there's no fucking fat on him. he has the bruce lee body yeah and it's like that's it's funny i just realized who lance is i just realized who he is uh-huh. he's ryoma and hayato's very well adjusted son oh my god <laughs> he's He's high. He's high. At, he's he's Hayato and Ryoma's son raised by Benke. Yes. So he has all the punch energy uh, and anger of Ryoma, but but the coolness of Hayato calms that down. Yeah. So he and he's smarter. He's smarter than Ryoma. That's a low bar, but it's true. Like Lance is at least like slightly higher than average intelligence, and has had like yeah, formal no. education and military training. I do not think. Ryoma in any continuity finished high school. I'm not even sure no. that new get a Ryoma can even read. <laughs> I don't think we ever saw him read anything. I don't think we've seen I him read anything ass. ever. <laughs> Illiterate Ryoma. <laughs> no, Ryoma did know how to read. He's got kicked in the head so many times that he doesn't remember. God. <laughs> Somebody kicked him with illiteracy. Uh, so next we got Ilana. Unless you were, you want anything to say about Lance? No, that's that's pretty much Lance. I I like. I think my favorite, the the the, the biggest encapsulation. Uh, I think the biggest encapsulation of Lance as a character is is the episode where he where he learns the guitar. In yeah, that's a, that's a good episode. That's that's peak. That is peak Lance. Is all I'll say. And then we got Alana, um, and I like Alana, and I wish the show came out two years later so that she could be Twitter active. Yeah, I mean her. <laughs> Her voice actress certainly is, for better or for worse. Yeah, because she's Tara Strong. I picked that out. Yeah, that's Tara. That's Tara Strong. That that is a not pre. Actually, this show. No, it, this was this was a contemporary with the. I think this was a contemporary with the first season of My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic. For better or for worse. Um, yeah, no, that, that that's because that's that's what that's what blew her up because she she because she was know, Bubbles and Raven a, before that and in a lot of other stuff. Yes. But what I will say is, like, 2010 was around the time when, you know, NLP. everybody who grew up, everybody who grew up with all these cartoons was, like, starting to get onto social media, and they were old enough to be, like, viable, like, fan bases, and, you know, so 2010 was, like, the turning point in being a voice actor, where before, you literally couldn't tell people what you did because nobody understood that that was a job yes. to have um and then suddenly it's 2010 and you're on twitter and everyone's like oh my god you were my childhood and then now you're like oh buddy this is how i can fucking put food on my table and so tara strong was like hey here's literally an army of sweaty men who love my voice i fucking have children to feed uh <laughs> so that's how that happened yeah the more I think um, about bronies, the more my spine just wants to slide out of my ass so that I no longer have to stand up straight ever again in my life. 
It's fine. That th- their era has passed. <laughs> so, uh, Ilana. I, I like I like Alana. She reminds me of all. Uh, she reminds me of my two least favorite Gundam characters, which are Lashes Klein and Relina Peacecraft from Seed and Wing, respectively. But if those yes. characters were not terrible and annoying, yeah, Alana. Like, and you know, this, this is probably this is where my Western cartoon stuff comes in. Alana is she 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 does stand out as her own character more than not but her initial you know when i first saw her especially like the first couple episodes when they do just like high school shenanigans like a lot of her like motivations and dialogue and the stuff she says and why she does stuff is of a trope in western animation you know the the bookworm the we have to play by the rules the you know the that's a character type like that was blossom yeah in power of girls that was twilight sparkle like literally tara strong that same year went on to immediately go record for another character who is in a lot of ways exactly like yes um but as the series went on just like how Takahito like, Koyasu will always play a maniacal villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, t- Tara Strong does have range. I mean, she was Raven, yeah. for God's sakes. Um, but, you know, like, th- that is one Wasn't of... is she Harley Quinn? She would... Har- not the original Harley Quinn. She was... Originally, she was a uh, Batgirl. She was... She was Barbara she Gordon. Was, um, she was Barbara Gordon in Batman the Animated. Yes. That was one of her early... That was another one of her early roles with, with Bubbles. But then when... Um, I believe it was... The second Arkham game, I want to say, because I know at some point she became the voice of of I and I, I don't remember if she always was or that was a newer thing. No, and I th- there was there was an interview where she talked about it because obviously her and the original voice for Harley Quinn, whose name escapes me right now, like they they worked together on Batman, so like they were they're peers, they like know each other, they're like in talks with each other, and like I there was a nice interview where she was like, you know, when she got cast as Harley Quinn, she like talked with her and like they talked about it and it's like you know yeah you know it's fine like she basically gave her Tara she basically gave Tara Strong her blessing to go be Harley Quinn and that was like nice of her I thought so yeah but Um, Ilana's a very good take on that kind of character without being just that character is the extent of who she is yeah because it's like it's almost it's weird she's she's almost like this this mishmash of multiple kinds of tropes that turns into its own character because she's she's very much the, like the play by the rules nicey girl bookworm and then she's also like the princess um but i was honestly surprised how like how much they didn't rely on the fish out of water stuff like i was expecting a lot more jokes of like I don't understand how Earth culture works. Gee whiz. It's like a lot I'm of Starfire to... stuff from the original Teen Titans cartoon. A lot of Starfire stuff, and then there's also a I lot expected of expected more of in... that, you're right. Yeah, and, and also, uh, this was a later show. This this was a show that came out a couple years ago, uh, Star vs. the Forces of Evil on the Disney Channel. All I know is that um, a lot of people hated that ending. I liked it. Um... But the the first season was very much because like the every every season after the first season it was like it was its own thing you know it was doing a whole bunch of other shit. But the first season was a uh, star is a princess from another dimension and she is like basically grounded and sent to Earth and so she has to go to Earth High School and stay with her new Earth friend Marco. 
And so most of those episodes are her misunderstanding something about Earth culture and then shenanigans ensue, and that's fun. But there was a couple episodes where I was like, this isn't the best episode of this show. Um, overall, I super recommend that. There is a super a lot show where, where that's the gimmick. I thought, I think there's that's part of it in Zambot, but I don't think that Tomio did that. I think that was another contemporary super yeah. robot worship, super robot show where that the whole thing was was teaching children Japanese etiquette <laughs> through a through a, a cartoon where a kid is reprimand where a kid is like acting silly and no that's not how you properly eat with chopsticks. I think there was a uh, there was a Mega Man OVA cartoon like that. And that's fun. Um the the voice actress who voiced role in that I was recently looking up uh because she also voiced um, her voice actress or her seiyu? Her seiyu. Okay. It didn't get dubbed. Okay, I was, about, I was gonna say, because I'm like, this thing got dubbed? Like, what? Like, that's why, because you said... No. Yeah. Uh, her, sorry, I forgot I was I was speaking to Big King Lee. <laughs> um, um, her seiyu also voiced, uh, also voices uh, Mei in the Guilty Gear series. And uh, dubbed Ducky in the Lamb Before Time franchise. <laughs> But, um, Alana, I, I liked Alana a lot by the end of this. Yes, Alana's great. Sorry, my brain farted. (laughs) (laughs) Alana's great. I, I feel like her, to summarize her in a sentence, it would be like, she tweets at the president and then wonders why he doesn't respond. Yeah, no, totally. That's um, because yeah, okay, like that's that's the tangent that I got off on of like um, when she, whenever they do do the like the the fish out of water bits, it's either for like a really quick gag that's nice, or like honestly, my my favorite episode in terms of Alana was the homecoming dance. That's a good episode, and you know, and again, it it isn't super the focus there's a lot going on in that episode but like the the, it it was they touched on it just enough where i thought it was super sweet of like alana is homesick and she sees the homecoming dance as a way to like celebrate her old culture that as far as she knows is like fucking doesn't even exist yeah um and so she, and then that that was, uh, and that was such a good ending when Lance, because like Lance is like, I don't fucking like Lance is like, uh, Alana's just being Alana and like over fucking overachieving with this high school shit. And also because um, that line then, earlier on where she's like, "Don't you miss home?" and then he doesn't really say anything and then says after she leaves, "Like I don't have a lot to miss." Yeah, and and then the end of that episode when he walks into the auditorium after the homecoming dance is just like, "Oh shit!" Like Alana made this look like the fucking like winter festival on our planet or whatever and then like that was super nice like they they always did like this show is like it's very earnest this show this show is earnest and this show is subtle when it wants to be and i feel that this i i was very impressed with this show because i went into it just thinking like oh cool i can i can look at this under the lens of how i how i'd look at a japanese super robot show and compare it and contrast it that was more but i was way more into this than i thought i'd be not, not to me just being an asshole, but just because I thought I'd look at this in a different way than I Honestly, ended up Honestly, same. Like, just because, like, initially, like, the, 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 the first couple episodes, like, the first couple episodes, all I could see was 
like, the growing pains of the era it was stuck in the middle of, because, like, you know, Gendy, Gendy is from that 90s golden era, and there are a lot of tropes, not just story-wise, but just conceptually-wise, like we said, like, how it opens in media res, and then later they just randomly have the origin story in the middle of the first season, and just, like, a lot of the gimmicks and a lot of the... A lot of the well, we're we're pitching this to we're pitching this to teens, so we have to have it in high school, and there has to be a whole bunch of episodes that focus on really cliche high school shit, and like that coupled with how it was on the forefront of Western serialized action-oriented shows that would go on to be much more commonplace immediately after its cancellation. But as it went on, it it really shone through for me as its own unique thing and like fucking put me right there on the list of people who fucking wish that this got another shot. (laughs) So then we, then we move on to the third character of our trio, the, the, the Musashi, the Ben K, if you will. God, but right. um, I, I I love Octus Newton Dad. Octus Newton Dad is my hero. He he's my he was, he's, he we we stand a king. He I was blown away by how good this character was, and he, he's, he I think eighty percent of that is also due to his voice actor. His his yeah. Th- this is Bri- This is this is Brian Posen's best role. It's. Like, Lance and Alana are good, but, like, Octus, the guy who voices Octus, John DiMaggio is always great, and also the guy who voices Solomon, those two were incredible. Oh, yes. And, like, uh, Octus, I think, has the biggest arc, at least throughout the season of the show that we got, because this show was tragically cut down before its time. Uh And just, like, Shin Mazinger, Zihen... We are now, it will add to the pile of things we hope get continued. Yeah. I have more faith in Symbiotic Titan getting continued than I do. Don't you dare say that to me. <laughs> and so, um, because Octus is a, is a really cool looking robot that we, as we mentioned, is very Jack Kirby in kind of design. And he is, uh, he has two forms when they're in high school. I guess he's, I like how they're always, nobody quite understands the relation between the three of them. So they're just like, he's family. And they just kind of yeah. ambiguously leave it at that. And I like how everyone's still kind of confused by that. But yeah. so he's Newton in, in, in school. And then when he's at home, he's their single father. Who Barb wants to. <laughs> we'll get to Barb in episode two. I'm sad she didn't, she wasn't along more. <laughs> Oh, God, I love Barb so much. Barb is great. If you grew up in the tri-state area, you knew at least two Barbs. (laughs) If you only knew one, the other one was probably your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Or your aunt or something. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, no. Barb Barb has big aunt energy. Barb has big aunt energy, specifically my one of my great aunts, because my my aunts and uncle are like relatively young, because my mother was young when I was born, and all of her siblings are younger than her. So like when I was growing up, my aunts and uncle were teenagers. My my grandmother's sisters, on the other hand, prime aunt material. Um, 
yeah, big barb energy from all all of their fucking middle aged like at least once divorced Italian asses. <laughs> so, uh, but so this is a very good character that once again I'm I like reserved characters. I'm a big fan of Ray from Evangelion. I'm a big fan of Kiriko. Like I like reserved characters because it because le- it it le- you have to be more in- you have to try more interesting things to get into their head more, and especially with characters that aren't emotionally expressive. So that means you have to be a little more clever with the writing in yes. order to can and because like th- with that's why Ryoma's fun because Ryoma's not the per not the kind of person to directly tell you something. Ryoma just takes action and then doesn't really feel like explaining himself or know how to articulate to explain the finer you know processes of why he's choosing the decision he's making but that's and that's what makes Ryoma a fun protagonist yeah and, and then Kiri goes the opposite like I I legitimately like and you know maybe this sounds mean but like just just with what Brian Poston has such a particular voice he's one of those voice actors where it, it's where you know some some voice actors get by having a very good range other voice actors get by with having more or less one kind of voice that they do, but it's so unique that it's that someone always needs. I mean, that's it. James Earl Jones and Keith David right there. Yes, they got um, those like they got those those amazing black guy baritones, just so good. I love their voices. Absolutely, and Brian Posen is usually the monotone droning nerd. Yeah, and you know that's that's the role that Newton plays in high school in this show, but it's just the writing is better. It's so good, um, and th- this is this is now my favorite role of his. Before I watched this show, my other favorite, my 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 formerly favorite Brian Posen role was a uh, Jim in Mission Hill. I was gonna say another person who has one voice but is very good at it, Patrick Warburton. Yes, um. But like, if if any if if no one here has watched Mission Hill, it was a 1999 to 2002 13 again, uh, canceled before its time, uh, primetime like ad- adult animated series, uh, very sitcommy. Wait, is that the um, one with the blue haired guy? Yes, and his yes. yes, and the hippie next door and his like nerdy uh like brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was on MTV. Jim I think. is, yeah. J- Jim is his. It, it was on Adult Swim a lot. I think originally it was on like UPN or something. I thought shit. it was on MTV originally. Um, yes, I think you're right because it used a lot of licensed music that Adult Swim was not able to use when it was re-aired. Um, <laughs> but so, um, J- Jim was very much this really awkward, monotone, just sort of like burned out like recent college graduate roommate of of the main character Andy and he just kind of talked like this like (laughs) (laughs) yeah um my one of my favorite jokes was um in in that show was his was his line delivery of um so his nerdy, like Andy's nerdy, nerdy little brother Kevin finds a box hidden under his bed and or like in his closet or something and they're trying to figure out what's what's like what's in the box and um kevin is worried and he's like you don't think it's pornography do you and fucking jim is just like no way andy's porn couldn't fit in a box 
<laughs> and that that line always stuck with me. Uh, and I and I do like that. I I, I love that character. It's, it was a very good delivery. But Octus blew it up. Octus, because he has like a bit Octus of a voice filter when he's Octus. When he's Newton and Dad, it's just like it's just the 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 filter isn't there. Which is fucked up because meta narratively, Newton and Dad are the ones that have the voice filter. <laughs> That's really funny. I, I, um, I, cause I think a lot of the fish out of water stuff is given to Octus. Yes. And, and, and what's great about that is it isn't even just, I'm an alien on, a, on earth. It's, I am a mush. I am a sapient machine amongst organics. And he knows everything about, he knows more about earth than, than Alana and Lance does. Cause he's, he can connect to the internet with his brain and just yeah. downloaded Wikipedia in the first episode. Hey, you guys, do you know what a meme is? <laughs> I've just discovered this strange creature called Nyanke. This is a, this is called a Wojak. It used to be part of a Rage comic, but now it's uh, an altered version with a beanie and stubble has been reused now, and it's what's called a Doomer meme. Leroy <laughs> Jenkins. That is humorous because of the subconscious. <laughs> At least he had chicken. <laughs> just, uh, just like Octus discovering like old, quote unquote, old internet memes. So you see, the comedy of it comes from the fact that it was translated incorrectly. The line, the line refers to the acquisition of star bases, but it's humorously translated as "all your base are belong to us." You see, it's it's humorous because you thought you were gonna be linked to some sort of insightful news article, <laughs> but I have linked you to a YouTube video of music artist Rick Astley's only hit single, Never Going to Give You Up. great octus that's really that's really funny yeah 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 can we fight this monster now (laughs) so um the unthinkable has happened and then in the middle of fighting this giant monster (laughs) the titan has just began blasting out of speakers formed on its shoulders rick astley's never gonna give you up i am now conferring with the news station if we can legally air this (laughs) why aren't you writing symbiotic titan season two I fucking I swear I am the I am the young I am the hip young female Gendy Tartakovsky. Good. This oh god the show is good. Um so do you want to go through the episodes now? Cuz this is going to be a long episode cuz we had the long history lesson in the beginning. But we I mean I mean do, do we want to I mean like the, there's a lot of good moments but I just feel like do we even have the fucking time to hit all twenty fucking episodes? I think so. Be here for like four fucking hours. That could be. I mean, like, I don't. We don't, we don't need to synopsize them. I was just thoughts about what which episodes were good. Which like just I was thinking like something shorter. Yeah, like you know, like, fucking like you know, like lightning round. Unless there's something we really want to. Yeah, because I think there's a couple episodes we're gonna do that with, but I don't think we're gonna like all of them. We we pretty much it doesn't. We don't have to. Like I think the first couple are important, and then we can we can we can start you know kind of moving a little faster. Yeah, because uh, I, I I think you know, uh, escape to Sherman High. I think we more or less did it. Yeah, essentially they they, they I like um, 
I, I just like how, like, this This starts the gimmick of, they're like, okay, so what are teenagers like? And it's just, like, every single image is just two people making out, and it's like, that. that's a really funny bit that I just, <laughs> on a lot of levels, that's funny in my opinion. Yeah, because that was, like, peak, that was coming off of peak, like, prime time, you know, at the time it was the WB network, like, teen drama, now it's the CW. Um, and that's for all of you children out there listening, like Degrassi, like that Degrassi and like the OC and like fucking Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I'm trying to think like all of these shows that were big enough for me to know the titles of, but I absolutely did not watch the ones my mom watched. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's essentially the first episode, because the main the main plot line of the show is that the planet of Galaluna is under... It, there was, like, a coup by uh, General Modula, who looks kind of like, yeah. like a badass Mojo Jojo. Yeah, he was, he was like, presumed dead. And he, um... So I really want to fucking know how... He, I really want the flash... Season 2 absolutely would have had his, his fucking flashback. And, like, in the, so. he has, like, a hat thing with a laser on it, and he's taken, like, these other aliens called the, uh, the... The Mentrandi, the Mitradi, I think. The the Mutradi. Mutradi, which I think, which is the sounds similar. I think that's another because like the Zentradi from Macross, and I think it was translated as Zentradi in the in Robotech. Yeah. And it just it sounds familiar enough. I think I think Andy Tartakovsky saw a Robotech. Yeah, and you know because that's you know again like especially with TV animation because if you look like. Like Gendy Tartakovsky created this show and and organized like directed the the whole shebang, but every almost every episode has a different writer and every episode has a different storyboard team and like Gendy is only in a handful of them, so this show absolutely is has a whole bunch of other people giving their own like inspirations and ideas and stuff. So who the hell knows what mishmash is exactly? Like I don't even know if I could list off all the stuff that inspires my work. Yeah, but from there we have the second episode where this is this is where you know this is more like this is a good episode to develop Alana and also we get a lot we get Octus trying to navigate Barb, who is just the the like I I believe that Barb has not one but eight novelty wine shirts. Yes. Not just, like, I'd rather be drinking wine. It's, like, her. all of her mugs have some sort of joke about I would rather be, be smashed right now. She's, yeah. she, she got divorced exactly two months ago. <laughs> and never had kids. There are... Her house... I believe that... I believe that her home has dozens of framed photos... And the the and half of them have been ripped in half. Yes. Uh, and it's just it's just her arm in arm with somebody who she would claim has never existed. Uh, <laughs> this is her eighth divorce. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> Fuck. And 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 she not only not only is she the typical divorcee in that way, but she is also the typical suburban middle aged housewife who has the huge dog that she has just put no effort into training whatsoever. Yes, 
She just yells at it, and it never works, because it's a dog, and dogs don't fucking know English, but you think you can just yell at it. It's it's the kind of thing where, like, you hear the dog barking, and then 15 minutes later, you hear her yelling over the dog barking while the dog is barking louder, and she's trying to yell louder than the dog barking. God, that... That's such a specific memory. God, yeah. Um... So, honestly, sadly, I was expecting, I was expecting Barb to be a reoccurring, like, minor conflict, like a reoccurring plot B of, like, Octus has to do something, but it's like, mm, I have to navigate Barb. Barb's hitting on me. <laughs> um, honestly, although, you know what, like, what I didn't expect was what we'll get to later is where they actually took Octus's fucking yeah, character. That was arc, neat. And I, I, I loved it so much. Uh, so at this point we've, we've also met general steel and Solomon and uh, general steel is very much thunderbolt Ross from the Hulk. As you said, just, they literally just took a JPEG of thunderbolt Ross and just widened it. And uh, the John DiMaggio voices him. And I, I think the direction for John DiMaggio is, Please sound like you are five minutes from a heart attack. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just please, yeah, please, please, please sound like whenever you go to the doctor, he explicitly tells you exactly what not to eat, and you drive home and you cook all of it for dinner that night. It's like if Ron Swanson was a much angrier person. It's like fucking. It's. <laughs> He's American Rambaral. Nah, Rambaral's better. <laughs> He's, he, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's Jimbarol. He's Jimbarol. <laughs> um, he's, he's angry, conservative American Jimbarol. And it didn't, it didn't occur to me until the episode where we were the, until the a later episode, but I like Sol- Solomon's design is totally just Solomon Kane. It, it like, when he said like, my name is Kane, I'm like, oh, oh, now I get why you look like you're like a Puritan. Yeah. And I'm like, he he looks like a cyborg Puritan, and it's fucking awesome. Like, Solomon is the coolest character ever. Like, he is, the, like, I, w- once I saw him, I was like, oh, this show, the, Genny Tartakovsky knows what's up. Genny, yeah, no, yeah. He has a great voice, and he's part of, like, the G3. I forgot what it stands for, but it's, it's not the gutsy Grand Guard. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> It's the something 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 the, galactic garrison. Yeah, it's it's the like the galactic garrison. Apparently, they they're like above the military. He has like a weird shadow boss who we see in silhouette twice. Uh, the galactic guardian group. Galactic guardian group. Anti Earth Union. They should have went with they should have went with garrison. Anti Earth Union group. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they're essentially like the X Files, but with a ton of Shotaro Ishinomori cyborg robots. It's. With a ton right of guys that that, that the cyborg zero zero nine would beat up. Like honestly, the, the 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 thing that's the least Ishinomori about them is is their is their like uh, air carrier base. Yeah, their, their their hella base. It's it's extremely sleek and modern. Like I really wanted some like big fuck like six propellers all around the end of it that don't clearly don't need to be there and shit like that fucking it was very like shield helicarrier yes but honestly even even more sleeker and modern yeah if jj abrams was in charge of the mcu 
Which he will be eventually when it crashes and they need to reboot it. And that's just the worst hell. J.J. Abrams directing fucking Iron Man 2030. Yeah. Throwing it out there, it's probably gonna happen, and they're gonna be like, Tooch, what do you think about this? You said this back in 2020, and I'm gonna be like, and I'm and I'm gonna be like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I'm 30 feet underwater. <laughs> I was gonna say I can't hear you. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so Steel is very much Thunderbolt Ross. He's the same character, and if you're unfamiliar with any Hulk lore. Um, Thunderbolt Ross was a military army guy who would be like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go take a ton of tanks and we're gonna blow up the Hulk and the Hulk would always knock his tank over. Yeah. Occasionally get hit in the dick with one. And then he turned into Red Hulk and that was really bad. That would have been weird if the Red Hulk's origin story was the Incredible Hulk got hit in the dick (laughs) with a tank real hard and then he got super mad and turned into Red Hulk. God... (laughs) It, this reminds me. Of maybe lo- then people. Maybe I would. Maybe I would like Angley's Hulk. Then if that happened. <laughs> Fuck, you're cracking me up tonight. Um, this reminds me a lot of Bronze Age Marvel. Marvel. It's because it's yes. like like I, I feel like this is the same kind of era of Marvel as like Gwen Stacy dies. Yeah. No. Marvel. Marvel. Like Marvel was on this real big kick of just like like seventy three, you know, seventy four around then. Of just like of tragedy, like this, this, this was this was them. Ex- this was the com- the the comic book industry experimenting with the concept of like like demon at the bottom of a bottle for Iron Man, death yeah, of Gwen Stacy, like, um, or even before that, there was the whole Spider Man No More arc where uh, where Captain yeah. where Gwen's father died and he felt so responsible that he couldn't be Spider Man anymore because that's yeah, what Marvel just, was used to be so good at, which they they haven't been since they've been acquired by a multi billion dollar hell corporation is that Marvel's characters are all meant to be relatable in a way that DC's characters were more more like mythological beings. Yeah, DC's DC made D- DC had like big like iconic legends and like Marvel had like some jackass from New York tripped and got superpowers and has to deal with it now. Even though Doom Patrol did did um precede X-Men. I'm going to be a douchebag and say that. Because you need to know everybody. Everybody has to know that my brain is really big. Um, but honestly, like even like even before that era, just like like Spider Man and Incredible Hulk's very conception of was just like what what hasn't been done in superhero comics until this point, and like because like you know Spider Man was Spider Man was one of the first like teenage superheroes and up until that point it was like no they have to be like big fucking buff handsome strong or like they'd be part of a team like i know johnny storm was like a high schooler as opposed to like 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 yeah um but so yeah so this is the the symbiotic symbiotic titan is a very interesting (laughs) symbiosis yeah of just like a whole bunch of like a whole bunch of like specifically like 70s comic and comic and anime aesthetics like, and vibes aesthetics and tropes and tropes like uh so the third episode is i like this this is this is a quintessential mecha episode where the team can't work together like this is half the plot yeah. of dan Kuga is the fact that they can't form their fucking robot because they all hate each other too much um because like one, one of the one of the things they establish and that we we find out why in the origin episode is because like octus was like 
Octus was turned on several, like, an hour before we see him in the very first episode, so... And all three like, of them have to form to make to make Titan. Like, all three like of them. Half, like, in, in, in the beginning of the series, every time Titan does something, including form Titan, Octus is, like, like, Alana and Lance are just like, Octus, what did you do? And Octus just goes like, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't have time to get briefed on his own abilities. Oopsie poopsie, I made a fucky lucky. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Uh, and so, uh, this episode, Lance and Alana are are fighting because Lance is Lance is a shonen is a super robot shonen protagonist with a, with a bit of an edgy with an edge to him. And then Alana is kind of used to getting everything she wants because she was royalty. Yeah. Even though she's good natured and has good ideas, so like they just can't agree on anything. So. They can't, you know, form Titan. Also, the the Mutrati are shoot are sending aliens through a warp gate to go fight them, uh, to go kill them. Yeah, that's, that that's that is very that is very monster of the week, almost to the point of like, because because it's like he's such a he's such a good villain, but then his plans are very much like General Modula is such a good villain, but then his plans are hindered by the genre he's in and he has to be like guess i'll send another monster and see if this one works and it's like homie you would realistically have tried something else at this point but I, this is the show i that think we're in. but i think it's also because I, I don't remember much about the, if they explain much about like the warp gates and like the rifts because maybe it's like he doesn't exactly know exactly how they work so he's yeah. like i'm just gonna send these like fucking jabronis through here and if they just just die like whatever I mean, he he does try slightly different things. Like we'll get into it, but like more times than not, like especially when the monster isn't the focus of the episode. Like when the monster is plot B, it's just some fucking random monster. Yeah, like, and I feel that's that's to this this show's benefit. I think is that it, it's yeah. not as shackled to monster of the week. It like sometimes the monster is an afterthought, but usually that means because the episode was pro was predominantly focused on something else. And I feel that's a that's a problem of super robot stuff in the seventies that eventually they grew out of in the eighties was to a degree was um just being so shackled to the format. Yeah. And yeah, they re they were well. I mean, and also that that's because like you know the, the, this show. This show did, was twenty episodes long, like an, another super robot, uh, like a super robot show in the seventies, doing arguably half this amount of personal character arcs and world building. Oh yeah, we didn't get like we fifty. Didn't, we didn't start getting this shit until like Gundam, and even and you know even Gundam had a lot of filler that you could cut out and then fit the actual story in three films. Yes. And so this episode, though, I found rather humorous because I like the idea of Octus trying to like they make television pro programs to help to advise parenting. Like, yes, that was so good. And so, and like the 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 the, the great the great part was like how far he actually got with it. Yes, like how good how well it worked. That was just that. That's a good joke. I love I love playing children's music out of your giant death robots because the two pilots won't cooperate. I imagine oh, imagine if Benke tried that with Musashi and Ryoma and New Get a Robo. Oh, funny joke, man. I, I, Making jokes. <laughs> Fuck you, loser. Get off my pose. <laughs> You're just gonna do the fucking Newton voice the entire episode, aren't you? <laughs> that's the dirt that's the dirt joke of this one. 
every time I think of like an old meme. <laughs> so um, the fourth one uh, episode is the one where Lance decides to become a vigilante. Yes, this is so weird. This is honestly like this is the one with the mind control. I, with I the loved, mind control I, I loved this episode, but I loved it because I feel like it, it, it thought it thought it had like a really solid like moral at the end but like it really fucking was didn't it contradicted itself so hard i I like that it tried i also like the fact that lance beat up hans gruber and the entire bad guy all the entire cast of bad guys from die hard one yeah uh, one one thing i like like one thing i will say about this show like if you're planning on watching it after this one thing i i implore you to pay attention to because like i paid attention to it because i pay attention to animation when i watch cartoons but like some folks don't fucking just really fucking appreciate how well designed all of the background characters are a hundred percent of the background can we shout out my every oh sorry yes no no no. i I, I was just gonna say like like a hundred percent of the background characters even like characters that are only in one scene for the entire fucking series they look so good that one guy was hans gruber he just was hans gruber it was just Alan Rickman, and he, I think he even had the accent, like the faux accent. Yeah, he had the faux, the British man trying to be German. Yeah. And even the guy with the drill in the bank in this episode was straight up just just the guy with the drill from Die Hard with like the white hair and the glasses. Yeah, yeah, is 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 it was weird, but just like like there's so much like so much effort just just because of the design aesthetic, like there's like there's so there's so many good be because. And Gendy Tartakovsky was one of the first animators to like really teach me this in a, in, in an on purpose way where I noticed it and took it in of just like minimalism, not just so that you have less to draw, but that because so that when you do choose to to make a specific detail, it is important. It is noticeable and it is vital to that character's design. That like fucking Gendy Tartakovsky's character designs. If you get rid of a single detail, it falls apart because there's only so many. Because it's so he is so good at being geometric. Every fucking character he he fucking creates has a distinct silhouette. Like if you if you just like just black them out and all you see is their outline you immediately know who they are and that is that is vital that is like that is cartoon that is cartoonist 101 yeah um that you can even see that octus octus is just octus is just a big square man he is it's great um this episode was good though i like the um i was good i i like the monster in this one how it really wasn't a big monster it was just like a you know it was a mind worm. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, there's a lot of cool sci-fi shit in this show. So, it was so gross. It, uh, it was so gross when he went inside of people's mouths. Yeah. He does it to Lance. It's gross. He does it to the king. Who, who, um, Modula has, like, torture, is, like, torturing. Yeah, just, like, has, like, st- strung up in the ruins of his castle. While his soldiers are his... still trying to liberate him and running, like, Dune-esque, like, guerrilla warfare. I was gonna say like like the like the resistance in Terminator, just like living underground in the sewers and shit. Well, because it reminds me a little more of Dune, because in Dune, like uh, the Atreides, the 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 Harkonnen have a coup of of um, Arrakis and kill the Atreides there. So then all the remaining Atreides like army and royal guard 
who are loyal to the Atreides, House, House Atreides, are all like... Because then, because they don't know that Paul and his mom survive, which is the second half of the book, is them living with the Fremen, and that's when it gets all spiritual and everything. But while that's happening, all of like their bodyguards and their like personal army are like scattered in the desert, fighting off like guerrilla wars against the. Uh... And then Paul comes back at the end and unites all of them. Gr- yeah. What like, like just like like Patrick Stewart's character in the movie. <laughs> it reminds me of that a lot, and I. And you, I can say that because I think I think a lot of people saw Dune, and a lot of people read Dune. Dune's a popular book. Yeah, I I, I could definitely see that in in this. There's probably flares of Dune. Um, uh, f- flares of Dune, probably one of the fucking sequel novels <laughs> is Sunroad. Uh, <laughs> um, testicular yeah, portions I... of Dune. <laughs> um. I, I also liked how uh again this was it was it was very like it was it it gave me a lot of early Marvel vibes of like it's like a random vigilante of just like he just like he just wears the same blue hoodie and that becomes like I, I like iconic I don't know it was a really strange it was a really not strange in a bad way but just like every Every episode, especially after this point, every episode of this show, again, probably because, like, a multitude of different people wrote them, um, it's, it, like, they, they really do their own, they really do their own thing in, 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 in an effort to tell an overall overarching story, and I, I like that a lot, like, it's, it's so easy for, it's so easy for multiple fans of this show to, like, have their own individual favorite episode, depending on what your tastes are. Like, they're, like, you know, I, I could definitely see somebody watching this show, and even if they didn't like it, there was probably one episode that they were super hype about. Because I actually was, um, because, once again, I talk about my podcast all the time, because I'm, I'm, I love the sound of my own voice, and I'm obsessed with myself. But uh, I was telling people, like, oh, um, because I, I, I've been a little more vocal about this episode to people in my surroundings because I'm trying to gauge if people remember this show at all. And I, a lot of my friends were like, oh, yeah, Symbiotic Titan, that show rocked. Whatever happened to that show? And that's the, and I'm like, okay, people do remember this. And that's why I brought the Mojo Jojo comments because that's exactly what my friend Chris told me over dinner a couple days ago. He was like, oh, yeah, the main character, the main bad guy was like a badass Mojo Jojo. Yeah, honestly, like I, I, I did get that vibe because it's like, like I, when, whenever I caught images or clips from the series before I watched it for this, I thought the bad guy was like some alien ape, alien man, and it's like, oh no, he just has that face about him. And then when I realized, when I, when I realized, like this shows aesthetics and what they were inspired by and then it had that flashback episode where it shows him without the helmet on just like as a normal man i was like oh he's that anime character with the cool beard i get it yeah now. <laughs> like, like the he, final guy from, that one like the final god from new getter yeah no or, or, or just like i don't know i i feel like there's always some random stuff like, like one of the one of the random fucking scientists in fucking Mazenkaiser or whatever yeah and so that's that episode there's the next one is the fear episode with the uh the 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 fear lady so that's when yes, we start I, seeing... I, I will say, though, that, that what I'm referring to when I say it, it contradicts itself in the Phantom Ninja episode is that, like, Alana is... Alana tries to teach Lance that vigilantism is wrong, and then and then, then Alana's like, 
oh, but now I need to do a vigilanteism and break the rules, but th- this is this is more important because it's not... Well, I think... Because it's different? I think Alana's reasonings is that, like, we're the only people who really can deal with these alien threats. Yes. Whereas, like, there's police forces and law enforcement in for a reason. Yeah, b- b- basically, basically Alana's, Alana's defense is my beef with uh avengers age of ultron versus the first avengers film where the first avengers film is the new york city is literally overrun out of nowhere by an alien army that no one was prepared for and so it's like yeah do whatever the fuck you have to do and then age of ultron was like tony stark and bruce banner did a fucking oopsie poopsie and then faced no repercussions for literally having an entire city raised up into the ground and then dropped why wasn't that the catalyst for civil war a fucking i hmm weird huh (laughs) like okay (laughs) i'm about to get mad so i'm just gonna not (laughs) i'm just gonna get mad about marvel and i don't want to be mad about marvel i just (laughs) At least not right now. I don't want to have, yeah, I don't want to have any opinions on Marvel. I don't want to have it, I don't want to think about Marvel right now. I used to love Marvel and DC pretty much equally, but now I'm firmly a DC person, and even then, even that's hard to be. Yeah, I just... I'm a Vertigo person, and Vertigo just died. Just like me. I mean, let's be real, Vertigo was killed. Uh, well, Vertigo was, was more put to rest. They more pulled the light, they more pulled the plug on poor old Vertigo, which hadn't really had a decent comic in quite a long time that's fair but well to be fair with the new dc black label thing they're essentially that was their way of rebooting vertigo since they're bringing back a lot of vertigo era characters because they're doing Uh the whole sandman universe thing which is actually getting me to consider reading contemporary comics gasp and i'm like all right you guys are rebooting the vertigo universe i guess i gotta do this now i guess i gotta go reread sandman then read lucifer and then uh but so now, so that's the fear episode is where we we first see some Lance backstory. Mm-hmm. With his with his, he like keeps reliving the memory of his father getting like, you know, portaled away into God knows where. Oh, we you skipped over the roar of the white dragon. Oh yes, I did. That's the because that was that was one of my favorite episodes because it was like okay, it's 2010. Kids love street racing and the Fast and the Furious films. But I'm Gendy Tartakovsky, and I've only seen Speed Racer, and my favorite car is a Lincoln Continental. Yes, that that you just summarized the entire episode. It's essentially, <laughs> I want to call this the initial D episode, but it's not. I just want it to be the initial D episode. I would recut it with a lot more drifting and a lot more Eurobeat. And like, yeah, because this is totally like, this, is, this, this really was Fast and the Furious by way of Speed Racer, because it's like, oh, we're going to, we're going to have a street race. And then, and then they're just like. Oh yeah, uh, an, an illegal street race in 2010. Hey, fucking, they make like traps and like have smoke screens on their cars, right? Like, <laughs> this is a Mario Kart, dude. I I just like how much of an aggressive dick the 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 Mike Chan was. I like I yeah. li- I like. His, I like Lance's car a lot, and I like I like the continuity. This has, like, Cowboy Bebop continuity, where every episode happens sequentially, even though you don't need to necessarily watch them sequentially. Uh-huh. Where it's like, every, so it's just like, they have the same car. 
Like you, they, 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 when, when we get to, to I think is it, it's a uh, Tashi. They bring back, they bring, they reference Tashi in a later episode. Yeah. So I like the fact that like, even though the show isn't really a sequential narrative, things still move in. A, so you can watch just an episode and be fine. You can just watch, you know, um, Fortress, you can just watch Fortress of Deception on Cartoon Network and be fine, but you also get a little more out of it if you watch it sequentially, but you don't really lose anything if you don't. Yeah, and, and that was probably, like, the compromise, right? Because, this, again, this was still coming out of an era that was still on its way out of, like, kids don't care about episodic, they'll watch whatever's on TV, so you can't change the status quo too much so that they can just watch whatever's on TV whenever... Unless um, it's like a two-parter, yeah. Um, Which the DC and, animated universe did already. Yeah, and I, and honestly, like real real talks, so I I remember sometimes as a kid, I would f- I would I would fucking miss two-parters, and it was the it was the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think to this day, I somehow always missed. I somehow always missed the episode of Yu Yu Hakusho where his fucking spirit egg hatches. I think I remember we was talking about this because I do too, and I think that was like a weird synchronicity of just being like, what the fuck? And we started noticing I... other weird synchronicities in our lives, like we also used to go to Days of Nights as a kid, and I'm like, that's yeah. also fucked. The same store in Delaware, so it's like, I was like, we were Chaos Magic destined to be friends. I, th- you know, I... If if our lives were like a movie, there would be like or like if our like there there would absolutely be some prequel episode of like one of our lives where it's like we walk into Days of Nights and like y- like I I walk into Days of Nights and I'm looking at Pokemon cards and like you and your mom walk past me and we don't even like meet eyes. I'm what I am like sixty percent sure that probably happened. <laughs> it's fucked up. I know. Because we just noticed that sh- that I remember now because you said that about Yu Yu Hakusho and I had the exact same memory because I remember I was going to tape that episode too but then uh, the VCR broke. Yep. And yeah, and we were just weird. So, but that was that's that's the initial D episode that isn't the initial D episode. Then there's the fear episode where we get the uh, so a little bit of Lance backstory that's elaborated on in episode eight. Yeah. Um. I, or at the very least, we we see the ramifications of that. Yeah, we still don't super comprehend what his dad was up to. <laughs> uh, then we get to showdown at Sherman High. This is this was the one that was like uh, sort of the thing, isn't this? Yeah, this is the one where um, this is the one where the cheerleaders are are. This is one where where uh, Alana wants to be a cheerleader. Yeah, th- and honestly, this was the episode that I like. I I DM'd you like, man, I kind of, I'm kind of starting to see why people didn't immediately pick up on this show because the all of the cheerleader shit just reminded me of all of the worst cliches about like of like 2006, like yeah, that take place in like middle school or high school of just like all of the tropes of just like of just like high school has a bunch of clicks and you gotta fucking be in a click or you're out and it's just like I fucking like went to school and then went home and like I, none of this resonated with me ever as a kid and it doesn't resonate with me yeah now. it gave me a so false perception like... of what high school was and then when I was in high school I just kind of forgot that that was the the conceptions that they gave me yeah um 
but and you know it, it even like I, I couldn't even feel good about the fucking moment where like because like alana alana did the whole thing where it's like she gets up on the soapbox and it's like i have been nothing but nice and you know, like you guys are just mean and you're gonna like fucking like just like tell like d- like trying to like speak to all of the fucking like high schoolers all of the like bullied high schoolers like don't just like j- like, don't you want this cathartic moment of, like, standing up to all of the assholes in high school? It's like, no, because I just didn't talk to them. I just went home. Like, that, that, that was more middle school. school was for, over. Like, middle school was more, was more miserable because everyone's aggressively an asshole, but then puberty calms down and then everyone gets a little more empathy by the time high school comes around. Unless yeah. you're, like, or they, a specifically like, a huge asshole. Y- yeah. And, and then they're just know, a huge like, asshole for life. Your mileage may vary. This is, you know, we, you know... I went to high school as a straight white kid, so, like, my my experience is going to be different than yours. Same, but also we we went to high school in... A straight white male, for me at least. I mean, fucking same at the time, uh, but we went to high school... Also, we went to high school in, like, you know, like, the mid-Atlantic, and this feels way more, like... West Coast. Midwest, South- Midwest. Midwest, Southwest. Yeah. Of of just, like, you know, fucking, like, literally only... Including the adults, every human being in that county only cares about, like, 17-year-olds playing football. <laughs> like... Yeah. It's the, it's the most hypest shit to every human being there. And it's like that's fucked up. This, and this wrong. show takes place in like Ohio. Yeah, and I kind of like that—that that it's not like a big metropolitan. It's kind of this middle of fucking nowhere bullshit place. It's the best place for big, huge monsters to show up. But uh, there's just like there's like there's random like windmills. There's random not windmills, but fucking like the wind the gener- modern wind generators. Wind like wind wind turbines and like random farm. My, one of my favorite episodes is when they just like had that big blowout fight and like the big farmland and it's just like random like realistically spaced out huge acres of farmland just like destroyed yeah that's cool not for the farmers no that probably ruined their lives forever yeah and yoshi can tell me if he directed that would have had a whole thing dedicated to that yeah right but um (laughs) texas colony texas colony um so, I will say, this episode introduced my favorite bit character, who I don't even think has a name, because he's the Japanese, he's the he's the American equivalent of Boss, and he's voiced by Patrick from Spongebob. Oh, his name is Meat. Uh, oh, Meat? Yeah, he's totally a fu- he totally is just a go-to-guy comic relief character. He's yeah, Boss, I, he's Bungie. I was getting, I was getting huge, like, not necessarily, like, Boss vibes, not in a literal parallel sense, but in terms of what he's there for. He He's like Boss or Bungie. He is more likable than both of those characters. I like Boss. I like Boss, but he is not likable, if that makes any sense. I like Boss because he sucks. Yes, Boss sucks. Meat, Meat doesn't... Honestly, Meat doesn't suck. Meat's just... Meat is, a, Meat is a nice young man. He's just dumb, and that's the joke. He's dumb, but he's like... He's not even... He's like, he's not even dumb in a mean way. Like, I, I don't know, like... Like meets like meets fine every like after that first episode anytime meat showed up I was like oh it's me I forgot oh. his name but I, for a mile I was just like I just kept laughing at him and I'm like why is this guy funny and I was like oh my god he's, he's Pat- fucking funny he's, he's Patrick nice. from SpongeBob what the fuck I think honestly like you know what my favorite thing was like my, my my favorite thing about meat was like it's like yeah like we're, like we as the audience are supposed to be laughing at how stupid he is and like you know that. That like your mileage may vary. Like I, I am personally getting less and less. I, I personally like as the years go on, I'm getting like less and less interested in like laughing at somebody because they're not 
quote unquote smart. Like that's uh, that that's just getting shittier to me in terms of how I feel about it. But like my favorite thing was like everybody in the show like respected Meat as a peer. Oh like, yeah, yeah. He like he did uh, he did like. D- he, like, fucked up a bunch and was just, like, really awkward and not always on the same page as everybody else. But, like, no one, like, no one ever on screen judged him for it. Oh, yeah, and totally. And, like, that, <laughs> I don't even and think that Newton was necessarily co- intentional. And he thinks Newton is the coolest person ever. Yeah, on, yeah, Meat, Meat, Meat was the first Newton stan in universe. And then, uh, so then episode eight was Shadows of Youth, which is the one where, uh, Keith beats the shit out of, Dr- out of Draco Malfoy and Pearl's son. Yeah, no, that was so good. Like Sh- Shadows of Youth was when, it, like, as as soon as I texted you, like, oh man, I don't, I don't know about this show necessarily. Like Shadows of Youth aired, and I was like, never fucking mind, dude. If I if we get a season two, can I? I want Baron to come back as like a dickhead on working yes. with. I think they were setting that up. I was waiting for. I was honestly waiting for that. I was waiting for that in like the in in fucking uh in the the. the Escape from Galaluna. I was waiting for Baron to show up as like older and like fucking with the coup. Oh my god! Bar- if we were directing this, we have Baron show up in like a red mech, and he has like a mask on. The reveal is that he's Baron. Yes. <laughs> like, and then he jar. eventually like him. He but like and then he he joins them eventually. And like there's like a, there's like an episode where they have to begrudgingly work together and like and like be cool with each other and like get over it. And whenever he's like on Earth in school, he wears sunglasses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what, and it's like in our season whole, two. There's a whole there's a whole arc where it's where it's just there's a whole arc of just like where he he refuses to admit that he's Baron in either form, but Lance is just like Lance is just like you're like I know you're Baron, and he's just like I have no idea who you're talking about. I'm just a normal high school Earth boy. <laughs> uh, that was a very good episode, as you said. It's like a YA novel. I th- uh, anytime there's like Galaluna action, I just get Clone Wars vibes. Especially it, Escape it, from Galaluna. Yeah, and and you know what? That's that's one hundred percent intentional because like like Gindy Tartakovsky literally made Clone Wars just before this. Like, well, that would, Clone Clone Wars was like two thousand two, two thousand three. That was this is two thousand ten. That was like a seven years. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but still, like he took that with him basically. Yes, this um, felt like a direct continuation of like because I remember just one of my favorite bits in Clone Wars was this one scene I vividly remember where it's just, like, three clone troopers just take out a tank. It's, like, a 45-second scene, and they just climb up, shoot a hole in it, jump in, destroy all the battle droids, throw some bombs in, all jump out one by one, and it's just, it's done in, like, two shots. It's great. Oh, it's so fucking good. Anytime anytime I think about specific scenes in that, I just, I want to watch it again. Or just, like, the entire episode where Mace Windu is fighting dudes on Dantooine, and it keeps zooming out from the kid's perspective on, like, the big hill. Yes. And he loses his lightsaber, he's just doing force kung fu, and it's the dopest shit in the world. God. Uh, so next we got Tashi497. This one I thought was just kind of okay. Yeah, um, let me just, let me fucking see what episode that was. Honestly, like, you know, I did, I did like this one. I liked this one a lot. I thought it was, it felt a little fast paced for what it was yeah. doing. We didn't get a whole lot of, there was so much there was a there was a whole sh- there was way more build up than I thought there was gonna be. like the first act is half the episode yeah um and then we don't get a whole lot of time because like again this is this is another common trope in Western animation of like this was a power this this was a Powerpuff Girls episode this was this there was, was this was very Powerpuff Girls this was this just was, like just like Shadows of it, Youth felt very Samurai Jack this felt very 
there was literally an episode where Professor Utonium made them a little pet, and then it kept eating food and got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they had to it it blew up and they had to like they were really sad about it. That for some reason that just was a trope in '90s in like in like '90s early 2000s animation. Um, but this was this was a good one. I like this one a lot because like in in most of those. Um, there was always, like, a happy ending. Like, at the end of that particular Powerpuff Girls episode, when he exploded, he exploded into a bunch of tiny versions of him, and then everybody got the mess pets, and, and then, obviously, that was, it was just an episodic series. And then they all so died before the next never, one. Yeah, they never, they never showed up again. They never existed after that. But, in this one, in this one, they legitimately had to, like, kill it. It had to die, and they had to say goodbye to it, and it was dead forever. And that was, like, buck wild to me. Like, if I saw that when I was a kid, I would be, like, my world would be, like, rock. Yeah, this is, this was, I think, now that I put it in that context, I appreciate this more. Um, I, 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 I liked the ending of this. I liked, I like it was cool, because it's kind of, in, on the flip on the they can't work together side, this is showing growth for how they're working together as a unit, and as, like, a yes. family. I love, this was another peak Lance moment of, like, when, when no one's around, he absolutely, he absolutely plays with this pet, like, like a fucking teen, like a fucking teen boy would, like, like, roughhouse with a dog. Oh, totally. It's so fun. He's so fun. Lance is fucking cute. Lance is a, Lance, you said it right, Tumblr would be wet for Lance. Tumblr would, but, like, honestly, like, Lance... Tumblr would be wet for Lance, but Lance is the only character where I would agree with Tumblr for once. Tumblr, like, Lance has all of the aesthetics of, like, extremely shallow, nothing characters that Tumblr gets way too wet for. Because, but, like, because they confu- they insert a, an entire community's worth of headcanons into a very simple character, which is easy to insert headcanons into. Yeah, and, like, you know, that's... That's why that's... Attack on Titan is popular! Too bad it's fascist <laughs> propaganda! Um, Sorry, I needed to let everybody know that my brain was very big. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking fucking whistles nonchalantly and kicks a bunch of copies of the Gundam Unicorn novels under your bed. (laughs) Um... Um, but yeah, no, like, Lance is, like, Lance actually has, Lance has way more character than his initial character bio and design and, and, and initial service level demeanor would, like, have you believe. And, like, not, again, not in that Tumblr way where he is just shallow 99% of the time, but then he has, like, one episode of sad anime backstory, which is what usually how that works. Um... Like, he, his personality shines through in such a, in such really great, subtle ways. Like, he's, like, he's, he's fucking cute. He's a cute boy. I like him. So, how about, uh, Lessons in Love? You really like this episode. This is the one with Kimmy coming, who we establish in, um, in, uh, in episode seven as the, the, she's, like, head bitchy cheerleader. Yeah, she's the head cheerleader. And... I I both love this episode and I roll my eyes at this episode. This episode is great in spite of Gendy Tartakovsky's rampant heterosexuality. Um, first of all, I think this 
this series, when it when it has moments like this, Votoms is lawful lawful heterosexual. This is chaotic heterosexual. <laughs> Very much, honestly, yes. Um, this show has the same has the same like kind of like uh, um, like not not full on yikes, but just like like side eye factor that like a lot of teen drama on television has of just like framing everything in like a sexualized way because that is it's like fucking you, you are an extremely sexual being when you're at that age but at the same time I am an adult I am an adult and I am watching the 17 year old girl twerk yeah and I'm just like man a grown ass father made this <laughs> show um but, you know, that's a whole kettle of fish that we could have a whole fucking media discussion podcast about that, like, Twitter is certainly not ready to have. Um, but regardless, but, like, and again, it's it's You it's can have an interesting six-hour conversation with no clear resolution. Yeah, because it doesn't have one. Um, because things again, are a Twitter's lot more complicated. Because things are a lot more complicated than just blanketing everything as good, bad, canceled, and problematic, and like things that are woke, things that aren't. There's so, and while I I do also subscribe to a lot of that narrative, it's it's the fact that like th- the world is infinitely more complicated than we make it out to be, and because we are incapable of perceiving how complicated everything is, so we simplify it, is... it to communicate it, ideas. It is good intentions with like no, no structure or educated language of how to use those good intentions, and so you just end up sort of hollering at the void. And it and it's 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 very very stressful. Um, but but that was like, but, but honestly, my 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 bigger beef. Not not even necessarily beef, but like what what also what made me roll my eyes while simultaneously enjoying the episode, like very, very torn on this one. But I did like it overall. Was just like that 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 trope, the 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 again like the older tropes that you don't see anymore post twenty ten uh, Western cartoons of just like oh, like, this this bitchy cheerleader who, like, doesn't fucking like this stuff, but then deep down it turns out she's just, like, super insecure and, like, just... And, like, that's that's fine. I, I like it. I, I like it. I like it when it's well-written. I, I just think this was on the cusp. If it was any... If it was handled any po- more poorly, it would just be bad. Um, but there's been better stuff before and since, and I especially have <coughs> Oscar for Evangelion. Um, honestly, my and that's you know that that's your that's your anime point of reference. My frame of reference was um, for Western animation was Kim Possible. Um, my my number one. My number one Western cart. One of my number. I think my number one Western cartoon. Like. Uh, there's only there's literally only one episode of that entire like four season run that I think is a little weak. Every other episode that aired on that show is like solid and like has good shit about it and it's a great fucking series overall. But that that show had a, a lot of high school dynamics that I thought it handled really well that I won't get into. Um, but the that's the for a different podcast. Yeah, I, I that I think. 
I'm pretty sure Toon Goons must have done a Kim Possible episode. If we, if we didn't, what the fuck were we doing? Um, Bonnie was the head cheerleader bully bitch episode character in that show, and it didn't necessarily have that big redeeming moment with her, but over the course of the show, it, it in a lot of subtle ways, like, put her in her place, and, like, also, like, there, there was one particular episode where, um... <laughs> A lot of uh, some some weird super spy shenanigans happened, and Bonnie and Kim ended up like f- like super science fused at the hip, and so Kim had to go to Bonnie's house, and it you know it, it didn't have this really big moment that this episode had, where you know like fucking. Um, Kimmy broke down and was just like, I'm just, like, stupid, okay? Like, nobody ever, like, uh, like, wow, no one ever believed in me before, and, like, shit like that. Like, it didn't do that. All it did was just show that Bonnie had a bunch of older sisters, and her older sisters were just, like, like, way more vapid, way more bitchy, and were, like, actively mean to Bonnie and, like, made her feel like shit. And it didn't... just turned her into one of them. Yeah, and like they they didn't have to have that big moment that it didn't explicitly say on screen of just like, wow, I guess that's how Bonnie turned out like she did. And then we have to feel nicer about Bonnie. But it just had like, I think if I'm recalling correctly, it just had, you know, a more subtle delivery of Kim seeing that and just being like, oh, Oh, like I get it now. Yeah, and then you can you can as I I I mostly said Oscar as a joke, but then Oscar's taking that kind of character to the absolute extreme. Yeah. Eh. Um, but but overall, I I I enjoy Lessons in Love less for the episode itself and more for what it establishes in the second half of the series going forward, which is Kimmy and uh. Octus are dating. Yeah, and that that then that maintains continuity. It becomes and a thing. It becomes such a huge thing because it, you know, it, up until this point, I I just sort of I sort of I, I sort of accepted Octus as like okay, he is a non-human sentient, you know, artificial intelligence and Anytime he acts particularly human, it is for a bit, or because they are still a younger show, and, you know, if they were, if it was made a couple years from now, they would, like, probably write him a lot more coldly, because they would have the confidence to actually commit to that bit, um, but it's like, no, like, what we see going forward is Octus very much has meta narrative emotional responses to things and he has he has trouble processing them because he can't process them in the same way he has human emotions but can't process them like humans can and so he has to find his own ways to process them yeah and that that was my favorite part of this series because that is brand new i don't know any show I don't know any Western cartoon to tackle that before or after. Yeah, that in was... In the way that this show did. That was big. That was... The, that. That's when I really started giving... As I said, the writing with Octus is what makes Octus the best character. Like, when you, when you are going to write a reserve robot character, you need to then flex your yourself. You gotta flex the hardest narratively. 
You gotta flex the hardest with dialogue. You gotta flex the hardest when writing that character specifically. Um, hold on. I... Yes, um, and then we'll get into more of that, uh, later on, but for fucking now... We it's my favorite, an... it's my favorite episode in the show. Oh, fuck, this episode's so fucking Fortress good. Of the... Deception. Fortress of Deception. Because at this point, like, Steel and Solomon were in a lot of the early episodes, and then they just vanish. And mm-hmm. I was like, what happened to Solomon and Steel? Because he was cool. I was like, where's that guy? He was cool. This episode, one of the one of the three storyboarders on this episode was Bob Camp. Who is that? His name he has a he has an article. Oh, he um, worked on Ren and Sibby. Yeah, he worked on Ren and Sibby. He did he did a lot of shit. He was honestly in that initial uh, '80s boom. He worked on a lot of the Rankin Bass stuff in the '80s: Thundercats, Silverhawks, Tiger Sharks, The Real Ghostbusters, um, Tiny Toons. He did he he worked in comics. He did like. Oh, so he's uh, just been around. Yeah, no, he's he's like a cartoonist. He's just been in fucking everything. Cool. Because uh, so he's still he's still working to this day. So this episode has uh, the G three just kind of show up with like Black Ops the hell into their house and then just. Kill. That was such a good fucking sequence. Yeah, like I think doesn't Lance like fight off like three of them and then like eventually gets taken down, kind of like Ryoma and get her. It's, I, I feel like there's always a sequence like that in every fucking, like, movie or show that has to have a scene like this where it's like, okay, we have to have the protagonist get captured, but he still has to take out, like, five fucking dudes before they manage it. And it's like, it's always good every fucking time. I think Venture Brothers kind of gets off on that, where it's like, one of them is, still, like, one monarch henchman is dying in Brock's grasp as, like... Yes. They have to put, they put Speedy out of his misery. <laughs> Oh no, Speedy, no! He was as close to getting his wings. God, Venture Brothers is so good. If you ever, if you ever, if you ever said to me, Tooch, Helper is in Venture Brothers, so we're doing Venture Brothers from Metrospective, I wouldn't stop you. Oh my god. <laughs> don't, don't tempt me. God, we'll get into... We'll we'll get into uh we'll get into the the line between mecha series and series that has a robots in it uh in the next episode after this one. So that's when they wake up in jail aboard the like the helic the shield helicarrier or like the... which I think at this point I think at this point we do not know that is what it is. <laughs> yeah, they're just like in in the G three prison, but uh so then. Lance is being taken to be interrogated, and then uh, Octus, I don't By think, the gets taken. biggest, hugest man. No, Octus doesn't get taken, no. So Octus has to find them. Yeah, and then, like, this fucking Go-Nagai villain shows up. Or Fist of the North Star <sighs> villain. He Yes, he's very much a fucking Fist of the North Star This villain. is a guy Kenshiro would, like, shatter his skull with his, the back of his fist. Yeah, fucking, you, he he does not, this is a man who is about to not even know he's already dead. Yeah. Nani, high-pitched noise, explosion. <laughs> Silhouetted gore-fest. All the blood is white. Yeah. So, uh, at this point, though, they notice that the, the, sto- the, the all the, the jail stuff is, is Galaloon and Tech. Yeah. It's it, so they're where they're like this is like this is Galaloon and what the hell? And there's another prisoner who very obviously is Solomon. 
Yeah, it's super. I th- I, I was like, this is either Solomon or this is Solomon's brother, who's a good guy, because we don't, because at this point we don't, we th- we assume Solomon is working with the general as the yeah. main antagonist, as the main Earth antagonist, because there's actually a lot of factions in this, that, and that's interesting, and I like how complex this is. Hmm. It's like it, this, the 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 scope of the show is pretty big, and I appreciated that. Totally. And so um, at that, so they're like, we're, he's like, uh, why don't you let me out? So they do. He's like, I used to work for these guys, but not anymore. So then um, Lance beats up the interrogator, and they like, they all kind of, they kind of escape. And this is this is a very Samurai Jack episode. Yeah, it's 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 just like it's mostly action sequences. And it's a good, it's a really good episode. If you just, if you just want an episode for some Tartakovsky action, just watch this one. It's so fucking good. Like, if you're going to watch one, I'd say watch this one. Even though there's not really that much mecha action, but at the end, it's Kane reveals himself that he's Solomon, and that he actually isn't exactly a villain. He's kind of more like a th- neutral third party that's just kind he, of... Yeah, he, he's just like, he just like legitimately wants to know what the fuck they're doing here, but it's like... I you know it it's fucked because like I I really do I really do see both of their viewpoints because it's like I think both like both both G three and uh the the fucking Galaluna fucking tree the, the you know the the Titan team Team Titan Team Titans uh they um they're they're both just sort of in this situation of circumstance and like they can't. It is not in either of their best interests to trust one another because there's just so much information neither of them know about the other. In a lesser so written like, show, it would just be annoying that they haven't had a conversation explaining it. Yeah, but it's like the you know when and you know I I did have I did have occasional flashes and honestly like Alana Alana herself has moments of just like why don't we just like why don't we tell G three what we're doing and like Lance is just like Lance's. Uh, understandably, just like we have no idea what the fuck they want with us, like. <laughs> and honestly, I don't. I, at that point in the show, I don't even necessarily know what G three wants with them either. Like, even if they were honest with them, G three could still easily be like, "Okay, yeah, but you still absolutely invaded fucking Earth." And then S- Solomon also reports to a weird Doctor Claw Shadow Man. Who we yeah, never see. Who so who? Sh- so my theory for how the show would have gone is that Solomon probably would have ended up being a good guy, but the G three themselves would have been would have been revealed to be bad guys. Or Solomon yeah. would have made it like a made like a face turn, or he would have been like, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I and I think I I think G three has something to do with Lance's father. Yes. But I don't know in what way. Yeah. So that was Fortress of Deception. It's a good episode. Uh, then they got the Ballad of Scary Mary that starts with a long carry homage. Yeah, I I thought I was going to not like this episode. I ended up loving it a lot. Yeah, this is this this follows up on the on the the dating subplot. I uh, mm-hmm. I really like how this is just Newton becoming popular. Yeah, it's great. Like this is a very this is another very good Newton episode. I like um, I like how Alana likes the dorky mascot guy. Oh yeah, Jason. Fucking, he sucks. I don't like him. I'm glad. I'm glad that Alana just sort of forgets he exists. He reminds me of Brief from Penny and Stalking. 
a little, uh, I, a little bit. I honestly wish, I honestly wish they did more with him. They probably would have. I think the only reason I hate him so much is because they didn't do anything with him. But also, he kept showing up. He kept showing up and then just doing nothing. And I'm just like, why the fuck are you here? You and then know, they, they have know, the weird, literally. the weird goth girl who does karate apparently. Yeah, I am on the fence with her. I really would have needed a second season to figure out how I feel about her. I think her that's what. Her meta narratively, I'm fine. I'm fine with her existing as a character, but all I can think about is like. I mean, she has two scenes really, in this entire show. You really just needed to make like the perfect cool goth GF for Lance, didn't you? You really just needed everybody to have a fucking partner, huh? And but uh, once again, this is this one also kind of just fits the monster of the week kind of format. Uh, but it just, it's more development for, for, for Newton above all, like Newton Octus' dad. <laughs> yeah. The, oh um, my god, how about, the, maybe if we get a TV 14 se- season 2, we could have dad in a relationship with Barb, while Newton is in a relationship with, with Kimmy, and then they have, they start developing, like, separate personalities that live inside the same being. Oh god, I don't know if I'm... <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for fucking, for fucking plural octus. Dude, that, that would, that would be, that's the sequel I'd write. God. Well, no, that, I mean, ugh, that, that would be, that, that would be fucked up, because, like, he'd be, like, he'd be technically cheating. Well, then, then I think it would be interesting to then write the fact that then, like, maybe they would split into two separate beings, and there'd be two octuses, and that'd be an interesting thing i don't know i i it's it's i'm going on a, on a, on a writer exercise honestly that, that that's prob that's probably why they dropped they probably had the thought of like okay we either need to have him we either need to have him like have a, a fucking a relationship with bar like a like a like a will they won't they with barbara or will they won't they with fucking kimmy and it's like well what if we did both and it's like well th- mm. somebody in this situation Somebody in this situation is a pedophile, and I don't feel like figuring out which one, so we're just going to only do one. <laughs> so, but I like the ed- I like the resolution to the carry thing at the beginning. That was nice. Yeah, that was cute. Like, they really, like, they honestly, like, I was expecting it to go someplace, but I liked that it didn't. It was just, like, a nice little epilogue that they didn't have to do. Yeah. Okay, so then 13, The Demon Within. This one was okay. This is the one where, where Alana turns into a were-crocodile. I thought this one was really good, just because it's like, I, again, like, this is, this is, this is another trope of, like, I'm, like, one of these characters is turning into a monster and we have to stop it, but, like, this, just like the pet episode, this show took it, this episode, this, this show takes it farther than anything before it, and arguably anything after it, like, holy shit, she was dead ass just a like a like a overtaken snarling fully transformed beast for like the whole third act of this fucking show yeah and this this like, episode this once again this is just this is tartakovsky drawing a lot of cool shit this is like mm-hmm. this is tartakovsky kind of in his element of like i want to draw lance and octus fighting a cool monster but i'm also going to add some emotional stakes to it and do this trope and and honestly like i was expecting I was expecting like Swamp Monster Ilana to be a lot more like bad 
like middle-aged Tartakovsky dad monster horny, but she has got to have titties. Yeah, no, she fucking to their credit, whoever designed her, because I don't think it was Tartakovsky. (laughs) Um, she was like gross in like a really cool way. She was she was good. She was a werodile. Yeah, it was fucking dope as hell. And then I, and then that I liked I liked how the monster that turned her was like sapient and like spoke with her. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting interesting dynamic. Once again, that, like, that was oh, very samurai jack. Yeah, of just like, oh, you're you're not just a snarling be like you're not just a snarling beast, like you are like you are my thrall, basically. Of uh, and then like we're gonna go back. Like I I was honestly, I was waiting for this to be like a two or three parter. Where like she goes back, and like they have to. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. I don't know how they. they I believed they would have found out some way. Like I was ready for her to be a monster for like a couple episodes. Uh, so then we get into one of the best Octus episodes. Yes. Where so this one is really this is a really good sci-fi premise of it starts with them at an art museum. And Octus can't really figure out what they mean by what does what does abstract art mean. Mm-hmm. And of course, Lance is all like, "It's all about war and violence and, and death." <laughs> yeah, uh, this episode also ri- written by J. M. Demattis, who primarily writes for uh, comic books. Nice. This is uh, maybe yeah. that's why this episode was so good. Yeah, because giving credit to comic writers who don't get enough, yeah. in my opinion, in terms of being like actual writers. He also wrote a lot of, uh, like, animated series stuff, primarily, uh, obviously, primarily, like, more comic book-like things, like Batman the Brave and the Bold, just as he, he wrote a handful of episodes of Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. This, you know what, this this feels like an episode of Justice League Unlimited, like the Booster Gold episode? Yes. That, that feels like this, where it's like, only one guy can deal with this unique situation. That's a, that's a very Justice League Unlimited episode. That's very true. Crowd control. That's the name. That's the best episode of Justice League Unlimited. That that's up there. It's up there. Um, it it reminds me of that. So the everyone in the hey, world. Hey, are you Green Lantern? <laughs> respect Booster Gold. <laughs> I drink my respect Booster Gold juice. Respect Booster Gold said nobody except Blue Beetle. And and and, res- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Blue Beetle and Devin. <laughs> and my friend Danny. Shout out to my friend Danny. She's she's like she's the biggest Blue Beetle fan I've ever met. <laughs> so that that reminds I'm, I'm gonna cut this, but uh because I want to tell you this, but my absolute favorite running gag throughout uh Grant Morrison's Animal Man is the fact that any because Animal Man really wants to be on the Justice League, mostly for financial reasons so that he can take care of his family. And get on that, like, Justice League paycheck and all that. So he gets... And every time the Martian Manhunter's there to, like, just, you know, okay, we're gonna recruit you to the Justice League, but we gotta, like, I gotta, like, you know, see if you're ready. Gotta watch you for a while, see how you do things. And every time him and and Martian Manhunter are just talking about it, he goes, so what exactly is Blue Beetle's power, and why is he on the Justice League? Because, like, I legit have superpowers, and I don't think he does. And it's, like, it's the pettiest (laughs) thing, and it's my favorite shit in the world. Oh my god. Um So yeah, so th- this there are there are so many things in I am Octus that are like my favorite things, like all isolated from each other and they all are in this episode. Cuz uh, like the, first... the premise is that everybody ceases moving except for Octus 
and he needs to figure out why. And and the again, like th- this show is like brave with how it paces things. Honestly, it, you know what it reminded me of at the beginning when when Cell first shows up in Dragon Ball Z. A little bit of like um, Piccolo going through like the empty ta- empty city and just like things are just quiet and he's just looking at shit. Like yes, um. And, and, but, like, the, the reason that I say it's brave with how it paces stuff is because, like, any other show would have just, you, you could have easily had so much room for more episode if you, like, open with Octus, you know, you, you do the Paris sequence still, because that's a cool sequence, but then you can This, this reminded with... me of one of what, it, I don't know if I'm remembering this wrong, because I have not watched Powerpuff Girls in years, but there were some uh-huh. weird Powerpuff Girls episodes that I liked. Oh, they're fucking weird. There was the episode where everybody turns into dogs. There was the episode where they go into, like, a weird hymn dimension. Yeah, okay, it was like, okay, what that was where, like, they, they ran so fast that they warped to the future, and since they were gone for that amount of time, him uh, apocalypsed to Townsville. That's literally the plot of Flashpoint. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, um. I'm mad again. <laughs> But this reminded me of, like, a, one of the weird Powerpuff Girls episodes that were great. Yes. Um, and so, like, so you could have just had that happen, and then Octus just wake up, and the whole world just got frozen at once. But no. You of course you remember entire... the, the, ex- the exact episode I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You, um, I'm me. Hello. I don't know you. why I'm surprised. Um, so, Octus, you have this whole first act where Octus, like, goes over to invest like the the world is just like okay for some reason only paris is frozen and oxys is and and you know they have this thing the 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 b plot is like octus is starting to get a little salty that he's being low-key talked down about because he's a robot and not human they're just like oh i guess you're a robot so you wouldn't understand like and then when they realize that like okay there's a great sequence on the bus where it's like the bus is noisy and they keep overhearing on the radio something about some some tragedy happening and so like they just sort of glance at octus and he's like ugh, fine, and just, like, blasts the radio super loud with his robot powers, mm-hmm. and it's just like, and then it's like, huh, well, I mean, if 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 we went there to check it out, we could get frozen, too, and Octus is like, oh, f- great, sure, just send the robot, and it's just like, he's like, he's on one today. Um, he's tilted. Yeah, no, at the towers. Um, and so he flies over there, and then while he's investigating... Then finally, it spreads to the rest of the fucking world, and like, there's this great. It's it's just such a great sequence where he's just like trying to figure shit out, and just like he's by himself, just like talking out loud, and just like carrying around the frozen in place Lance and Alana. That is a good bit. I like that a lot. That 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 bit there was very good with him carrying them around. Um. And then I think it's it's revealed that it's like a bat that's shooting like radio waves, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then uh, that's like just the, a, that's not the most important part, but still, it's kind of like that was just kind of no, resolution. But that that was one of that was this this was also one of the episodes where I was like, oh, and then it's just like a just like a big scary monster at the end. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> but um, but the rest of this episode is just so fucking great. Um, and. And, and and then like at the very end he 
it, it, it shows him painting a still life. And it's like super, it, it's like a well-made fucking painting because it's what he's chosen to focus on. Like it's his kind of thing. And this like is what he personally values. In yeah, all. it's like realism. It's a legitimate art style. And like Lance and Alana are trying to figure out what it fucking means. And it's like, sure, whatever. I was watching that and going like, it doesn't fucking doesn't fucking mean anything y'all it's a still life like i mean it but then but then honestly octus fucking one-ups me like octus gets it better than i did and he's like i painted this like i painted this for reasons that i wanted to paint this and lance and alana saw what they chose to see so it's okay for me to choose what i see in my own way and just because I'm not like everyone else doesn't mean that my viewpoint isn't, isn't valuable. And that's when I kind of saw things. It's like, I I think Octus is like unintentionally like, is like coded on some kind of autism spectrum, in my opinion. Yes. I, um, I don't know how intentional. I think if this was made later, it would have been. Oh, 100%. Like, like, Steven Universe, like, Steven Universe does this shit intentionally to a T. Like, I think, I think, uh, Onion in Steven Universe is canonically, like, just, like, a little autistic kid. Um, but, no, this is 100%, like, on accident. I think, I think if you, I, I think if you, like, fucking asked Gendy Tartakovsky if, if he knew what an autistic person was, he'd be like, I don't know, what country's that? <laughs> um. He's old. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, Okay, like, boomer. Think, like, yeah right. Um, Gendy Gendy Tartakovsky will be the last boomer against the wall. Uh, um, probably not. Um, but but no, like I think like Octus. I think Octus is an extremely well like well coded like like not not neurotypical like a neurotypical character. Um, of just just because it's like he he. he he is unable to see and process things in the same way as most other people, but he still has his own perspective and it is still valuable and it's not a detriment, but it's also not like necessarily like a superpower, you know, like it's like, he's not like, I mean, it's not like rain man. It's Cause he's a fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's not one of those like, quote unquote like handy capable things where it's like it's kind of where it's very condescending unintentionally like i'll give it i'll give credit to people who write this kind of shit it's unintentionally condescending where it's like fucking it just depends on how it's done yeah so it's like oh so like a blind person only has value because all their other senses are heightened so they have to be like a superhero about it it's like no there's fucking whatever it doesn't have to be that big of a deal but like uh, you know octus is literally like in the literal text octus is a super powered robot so it's like i'm referring more to like the the more subtler emotional aspects of his character um in terms of how he like responds to stuff and, and and views stuff um because that is another thing that i'm not sure if it's in this episode but it's in no no it's it's in a different episode and when we'll, and we'll we'll get to it but like there's there's one sequence where um lance and alana sort of confront him about his relationship with kimmy and they're just both like you're you're like a robot so it's like i don't even know like how can this work out and like 
Octus is basically like I'm like asks them to trust him. Is is like I like I know what I'm doing. I know what I feel. And like just because it's different from how humans feel things, like I still feel something for Kimmy, and I want to see this through. And I thought that was also like way better writing than I ever thought fucking a show, a Gindy Tarakovsky show was capable of. But again, other people write the show. Yeah. Um, the next episode is Disenfranchised, where, uh, where, uh, Lance joins a, uh, he joins an indie rock post-punk band. This is the other really cute Lance episode. He's in the cafeteria and no one cares about this shitty band, but then he looks up at them and his eyes just get so big because he's, like, discovering earth rock music and it's so cute. <laughs> it's, this, that's pretty much, like, this has the subplot of, um, General Steel kind of, like, sending a spy in. Fucking buff Archie. Buff Archie. I'm going to send this U.S. Marine into a high school. <laughs> oh, God. And just, just fucking... Ugh. I, and I love what a weenie he is. I love how he just, uh, like, the second he's interrogated, he immediately starts squealing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you fucking idiot fucking government cop, you fucking super pig. I, I like how um, they they make the, the the holographic decoys. Like, what are you talking about? Lance and Alana are right there. Are right there. God, yeah. This this was such a fucking yeah. And then like the not only like they make hologram they make holograms. Well, they make holograms of Octus and of Newton and Alana, and then they have to make a hologram of fucking Lan- of Lance's mech because Lance is in the band playing. Mm-hmm. So that that was a good. That's like that's a good episode. There's not really much it's, more to say about that. It's a good Lance episode. It's really fun. Next was and Escape he, from Gal- he, gets, oh. he gets kicked out of the band for being too popular. Yeah, they 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 fucking Pete bested him. God, Lance the Pete best of disenfranchised. <sighs> so then next is Escape from Galaluna, which is the Clone Wars episode. Yeah, this has felt uh, like an this has felt like an episode of the second season of Clone Wars, like the invasion of Coruscant. It really fucking did. Also, like the 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 sequel book, the the, the non existent sequel book to the non existent first YA book that Lance's life was in. This is like the we're missing the middle part. This is the first, but that's the first book in the trilogy. This is the final book in the trilogy. That's very, oh, you're so. Fucking... We're missing the second book. Probably would have been in the second season. Probably would have been. And, uh, and then we can we can make a really fucking we can make a really elite like a fucking fan wank elitist fucking like this is the order you should watch Symbionic Titan in. <laughs> oh my god! It can, you can be like those. Uh, it it can be like the everlasting debate of how to watch classic British television show The Prisoner, whether you watch it in the airing order or the production order. Because it was it was produced in in a different sequence than it aired. Yeah, because that's how shows worked back then a lot of times. And so there was two ways to watch it, because the syndication order or the order for, that was produced. And some people argue either way is better. But then again, the show is mostly episodic up until the fina- the final two episodes. So it doesn't fucking matter at all, huh? The, dude, The Prisoner is fucking awesome. You would love The Prisoner. But uh, Escape oh, wow. from Galaluna essentially starts with uh, Lance uh, gets yelled at. Uh, for you know disobeying orders because they're they're tri- they're on the uh, the 
they're kind of spying on the uh, Mutrati. And well, no, like, there's there's a Mutrati hostage situation. Yeah, and they assume they assume it's just like you know, uh, unthinking band like these these savages. There's a lot of that going on with the Mutrati, and I I would love a modern a modern like a modern sensibility written second season that like digs into Mutrati culture because it's like realistically I suspect that the Mutrati probably aren't just a bunch of fucking savages. Um, I think at this point Or digging point into in the time, Galilunans' kind of own biases towards them. Yeah, because honestly, because, like, again, un- unintentionally linking these two things together, I think, like, what we what we open on before the Lance sequence is Alana doing some diplomatic stuff on in another country on Galiluna. With her bodyguard, Race Bannon. Yes, I, the whole time, I was just like, why is Race Bannon here? Um, <laughs> Race Bannon's here because fucking Gendy loves that shit. Um, but... So she's... Which is another tie to Venture Brothers. Yeah. I thought, <laughs> like... I'm glad that I'm glad... I, once again, why am I surprised that you knew exactly what I was talking about? <laughs> um, but Alana's, like, opening a school on, like, another... In, like, another country on Galaluna where, like, her kingdom... Her kingdom presumably has colonized uh but they don't get into that because Alana's nice and she helps a little a little native girl get her pet out of a well and it's nice um and they're all dressed like british imperialists yeah and then then the natives are all dressed extremely quote-unquote native and it's 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 it's, it's fine it's fine it's we don't we don't stay there long it's fine, I say, getting less confident every time I say it's fine. Welcome to Yikestrospective. Welcome to the fact that when you there's a point in your life where you get so woke that you're unable to enjoy anything. <laughs> That's the end goal of being woke. And I'm not saying being woke is bad. I am, I am a very woke person. But it gets to a point where shit gets a lot less fun when you, when you realize how woke you are and that everything is problematic. Yeah, she she gets us she gets us fun, and then like you have to you either have to you you either hard reverse and double down on fucking on like everything is okay because I don't want to think about how nothing is okay. Uh, it's, it's fucking Trey Parker and Matt Stoner, galaxy brain geniuses, and they're gonna solve fucking global warming somehow by making the biggest joke about it. Um fucking the joke is the joke is on anybody who takes anything seriously yeah uh-huh how dare you care um and then but then the other the other half is just like doing what like quote unquote becoming becoming woke quote unquote is usually exclusively reserved for like like usually like white middle class people in former like in in positions of and privilege who we are slowly getting less and less of that privilege as time goes on and we're starting to realize that it is there in the first place um and then every other kind of like disenfranchised minority in this country is going like yeah we've we've been watching media like this for decades because we have to and then <laughs> because it's us... objectively never been about us and anytime it is about us it's written poorly and none of you ever had to think about it because that's not you that's on screen <laughs> And then we um, open our mouths and we can't say anything because they're yeah. entirely correct and we're partially to blame. I'm sure I'm sure in 2010 
I'm sure in like, well, uh, 2011, when this episode aired, every person of color watched this and rolled their eyes and went, yep, that, yeah, huh, that sure is what this fucking is, huh? And But then they had to enjoy it anyway, because otherwise, they wouldn't be able to enjoy anything. Anything. And some idiot white person would be like, oh, it's just a fucking TV show. Just fucking enjoy it. Oh, uh, so people are trying to insert politics into Symbionic Titan. <laughs> I'm about to fucking scream. I need to calm down. <laughs> so, that, so there is the, the hostage situation, and I like how nobody likes Lance. No one likes Lance. He's, he's, he's a shit kicker. He, he kicks shit and, like... He doesn't play by the rules. He doesn't at all. And I like how the king is just like, I'm done with you. Like, fucking Lance, I, you fucked up too many times. I'm done, I'm done. It, I, I... it is legitimately great, because this is another one of those things where it's, like, it's te- it's technically episodic, but they're all, like, these episodes are all linked. It's just, like, he... Back in the fucking other flashback episode... Uh, shadows of wait, shadows of youth. Yes, shadows of youth. Shadows over like, youth. Shadows over youth. Smith. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the, like when he's a little kid and he's like locked up in the holding cell. Like the king tells him, like, I don't want to see you here again. And then fucking escape from Galaluna. They fucking throw Lance in the exact same fucking cell, and the king's like, How I many times do we have you. to meet like this? Yes. I like how it's implied yes. that this is like not the second time. This is like mm-hmm. the ninth. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so it's so fucking good. It's so. Just add, add, have another Photoshop, or just you Photoshop Kiriko into the back eating a sandwich. <laughs> I miss photoms. But uh, so then you you kind of we kind of observe the uh, the big coup, and uh, it's it's it, a lot like it's just it's just some batshit good Tartakovsky yeah. action. The king yeah, has a and- big machine gun. It's fun. Oh, it's so good because that because that that was the buildup of like Lan- what what Lance what Lance saw when he like disobeyed orders and and broke into the hostage situation was like it wasn't a hostage situation the scientists were already dead and this was like the beginning of the coup that no one knows about but Lance now and, and parts of the military to... it seems because like Lance's boss was part of the coup oh yeah and I mean that 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 was the twist at the end yeah um, is that like Lance's boss was part of the coup and then they have a really sick fucking sword fight yeah dude that's a good ass sword fight. That, I, that was when, that was peak Star Wars to me. That was peak Star Wars. All we missed was, like, the... Like, of, like, lightsaber noises. That's all you're missing. Yeah, right. And, and fucking, uh... Fucking the objectively the best thing about the prequels. Yeah. John Williams score in the prequels? Hell yes. John Williams score in the sequel? Sequel trilogy? Nothing memorable. Yeah, you're right. I don't. That's that's that's. There's hum me one track exclusive to to Force Awakens. I I don't know any. The only one I know was the Cantina bit in 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 the first trilogy movie, and Lin Manuel Miranda did that one. Cool. Because John Williams, because specifically, not because not not because Lin Manuel Miranda is like famous or anything. I mean, that's why he got the gig in the end. But the whole reason they got someone else to do it was because John Williams was like, "I don't want to do a fucking another one of these things. Get someone else to do it." <laughs> <laughs> like dead ass. Like he just is so checked out. <laughs> so that's Escape from Galaluna, and that episode ends pretty much exactly where we pick up in the first one. Yes. An um, escape from Sherman High. 
yeah and and that's that that was that was such a legitimately good moment it was like after like i mean the, when the king reunites with lance and was just like you know you were right i just like fucking like just like giving in that moment like it was it, it's so emotionally conflicting for lance because like he is getting everything he ever wanted from his like stand-in father figure while his entire planet is burning around him <laughs> um, yeah it's good God, this the show has some pretty good writing yeah so next is the is under three moon the under the three moons which is the the last episode because the last three are kind of like an arc yes it's like a big finale but under three moons is the last like of the episodic episodes and this one is uh the homecoming dance uh which we which we mentioned earlier the homecoming episode that also follows up more on the on the kimmy newton relationship yeah um basically it's again this is very it's it's very western superhero comic where it's like the you know peter parker you stood me up at that you were supposed to be homecoming king and mm-hmm. now i gotta stay here all alone because you're and be humiliated because you were off being spider-man because the green goblin farted on the mayor <laughs> you'll never stop me from farting on the mayor spider-man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, it's very it's very western comic book there yeah, um, but but I, I I did like it because honestly it like it threw me for a loop a little bit like I wasn't expecting it. for for whatever reason I wasn't expecting it probably just because like Kimmy had never made a big deal with it up up until that point but it, I think it's presumed that there was like there's adventures they're having in between these episodes um, but they're probably just not memorable mm-hmm. enough it's just like again it's like that that's my favorite thing is like when when you take up like monster of the week pitches where they don't feel the need to show you every single monster they fight every week like they they just show you the hits no pun intended and it's just presumed that like yeah there's other monsters in between these ones probably and so it's like by the time we get to the homecoming dance kimmy's like i'm fucking done i'm fucking done with this shit you guys keep all keep running off and doing weird shit and you won't even fucking tell me about it and it's like nah nah son yeah it's 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 very like that i i i do like i i thought this episode was good though we talked about this one a lot already um but one thing i do want to touch on that i didn't because it, it doesn't get a whole lot of screen time is like general medulla's like we 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 get an update on like medulla's whole deal during this first season because it's like you know it some amount of time has passed and like you know everything's not eternally on fire forever now and so it's like still like a resistance everything's bombed out everything's bombed out but like everything's calm now like everything's like covered in snow it almost looks peaceful in a way and so it's like medulla's just sort of like medulla is just sort of like getting fed up and like you know the some some lackey shows them and it's just like hey what's up boss like if you did you fucking know like people are talking shit on you because you can't kill the fucking princess and so it's like it it was just a really nice touch of just like he's not just some like cackling villain sending monsters out it's like he the clock is ticking for him yeah in terms of being like a convincing dictator 
what I would have wanted because this is such like a oh no I'm 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 homesick and the Galloon dance was like super important to me like I was really expecting like the the final shot to be like a pan down to like some resistance hideout somewhere and there's like a bunch of like refugees like having like a tiny home having like a tiny like winter dance that would have been perfect way. I was really fucking expecting that that would have made me cry probably. <laughs> No, that's that, that's like some Christmas during World War One shit right there. Yeah, of humans being human, of humans being human, or Galilunans being Galilunan. They got it. So um, we got the next one, is, a family crisis, which is this yeah. was a fucking good ass episode. Oh, it was so fucking good. This, I, I, I think my three favorite episodes are um, four. Oh wait. Before- before this one, I'm sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> under the three moons, uh, one of the other things it ends with is uh, Octus going to Kimmy's house and throwing a rock through her window. Yes, and then, <laughs> and then lifting up the boombox, and but it's on a random radio station, and it just plays a mattress ad, and he puts it back down. <laughs> that was yes, that's a very good joke. I died. I, I, I and I, I appreciated the comedic timing where they didn't like they didn't dwell on it. He didn't like he wasn't like oh whoops like he just like they both just sort of no sold it and kept going. <laughs> that didn't work. Try it. let's next thing immediately. God yeah, this show's good. This show's fucking funny. So this is where we have family crisis. Um, this one starts with them getting a distress signal from Solomon. And they're like, a lot, everyone's arguing over what they should do. And she's like, okay, Solomon let us go and like, let, let us leave. So like, and he's asking us for help and I want to help him because he needs help. Yeah, because we get, we get the cold open of like a G3 space station and like something has like wiped out everybody on it. And by the time, by the time Solomon gets there, everybody's it's like, everybody's dead, Dave. They're all dead. Um, and what we find out what 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 made me real the hardest was that this fucking space station is all the way the fuck out in saturn yeah this is out they, there they have you know we folks folks we have a mecha podcast here they just flew past jupiter like it was a fucking sunday drive down the park yeah, like, the Gundam universe has not gone farther than Jupiter, and, like, well, in terms of, like, well, the Universal Century, because it's, like, they have the Jupiter Energy Fleet, because in order to get Monofsky Fusion, they need Helium-3, which is only in Jupiter. Mm-hmm. So they have these big convoys of ships that go to and from Jupiter constantly, just bringing shipments of, uh, and shipments of um, Helium-3 that are being mined. So, like, that's where the main villain of Zeta comes from. He's, like, the man from Jupiter, because he, like, was from those fleets. But otherwise, other than that, nobody lives out there. That's just, you're part of the energy fleet, or you're not, and... And it's so fucking far, it takes so goddamn long to get there, that you're just out there now, and that's just where your life is. (laughs) It takes, like, a decade to get there, and, like, a decade to get back. Christ. And so, like... And, you know, what, what, what made me so much more interested in G3's deal was it's like, okay, like, Titan... Like, Titan got there. Okay, cool. They're, like, a hyper-advanced alien robot. Like, even by their own... Even by their own planet's standards, they are, like, top, like, future tech. Um, G3 
an Earth organization has a space station in Saturn that no one fucking knows about that they can theoretically travel to using faster than light travel. Yeah. Fucking what? What's it there for? What are they doing? Excuse me? So they unleashed like an energy monster. And this yeah, was, they, this like, was they, all... they found one or something. Like it just showed up. It attacked. This is this is a this is another episode that's very Justice League. Like this is something Superman would investigate. Yeah. And this would be like giving him like super this would give him like like if this was a Superman story, this would be like it negates his powers. Yeah. So he has to and those are the best Superman stories where he Superman has to fucking that's why Superman is cool, because he doesn't even need his powers to be fucking cool. I love Superman. I Grant Morrison changed my mind on Superman. Oh yeah, no, like uh, any there's 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 a handful of great Superman stories that like people who don't like Superman haven't read. Just like the the episode of Justice League or Unlimited where he goes where he gets sent back to like another planet, like an alternate like caveman planet that has a red sun so his power his powers don't work. So yeah, he has to like Conan his way up back to Earth. <laughs> yeah, or like I think it's like no, I I think that's another one where it's like it's like so far in the future that like Earth Earth just gets tilted off its axis and it's all fucked up and weird because he meets he meets that immortal dude there. Oh, um, Vandal Savage, right? Vandal, yeah, he meets Vandal Savage because he's immortal, and he's just like, oh yeah, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not bad anymore, but that's just because like everybody's dead, so it's like I can't do any villainy. I'm just here. <laughs> What's good? I God, just the DCAU was so fucking good. God, it's so fucking. I'm so glad we got that. Right? I'm so glad we got that. But this this felt like an episode from that era, and this episode tragically kills Octus. <laughs> Yeah, he sacrifices himself to save, to to save Lance, which is exactly what I thought. Honestly, like as soon as they, as soon as as soon as Solomon tells them, like this this monster drains energy, and for some and for some reason, and the reason the the meta reason being because we need a plot reason why you can't just recharge Octus, um, is that any machine that the any machine that the being drains for some reason is unable to be repowered, and Lana. Ilana and Lance both glance at each other, knowing what show they're in, and it's just like, Octus is gonna fucking sacrifice himself to save us at the end of this fucking episode. God fucking damn it. Jesus Christ. And they both, like, it, it hits them so hard before it's even happened. Um, it, it really is, it really, it felt more like one of those episodes where, where, like, you have some vision of the future and you know it's inevitable and you're just, like, hoping without hope to try and find some way to stop the future from happening. Because they they have such... The episode then becomes, like, we love Octus so much, we care so much about Octus. Like, again, before they even know that anything bad is going to happen to Octus in this mission, like, they flash back to so many, like, really, like, like the sweetest fucking moments with Octus. Yeah, it's it's very good. This the, like once again, I think the strongest thing about this sh- this show is its cast. Yeah, without they... a doubt, is the best part of about this show. And despite the show also having a lot of other great qualities, just the cast is absolutely the best part. I think out of anything Tartakovsky's ever worked on, this is the strongest cast. Oh, a hundred percent, because he's he care he he is left to his own devices. He is way more interested in like the actual like animated like making something that actually looks cool to see animated and and like less so with storytelling like samurai jack was more about like let's we make a cool character who isn't really that deep and we just throw him into whatever situation we can think of yeah f- f- phil lamar f- 
Phil Lamar probably had the the least lines of any protagonist on that network. There were there were entire episodes where that motherfucker didn't have to show up to the booth that day. He didn't speak. There's no fucking lines. Samurai Jack was very formative for me in terms of sculpting what I like, because I also realized that's, I think that's why I like Blame. Or yeah, bl- no, That's same. why I like Blam. <laughs> Blam is ultra grim dark Samurai Jack. That's, that's why I don't like a lot of modern Hollywood action, because nobody fucking knows how important it is to fucking linger on anything. And Samurai Jack was just like, what if you just stared at this character or object for like 20 seconds before anything happens and it's just the hypest shit oh yeah oh yeah i can't wait to talk about sutsumonihe again so at this point we get to the steel foe where uh lance and alana just they dip they're like we got to find a way to either fix octus because we can't form titan and we just need to lay low. We're just at, we 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 need to get out of here. Lance is yeah. all fucked up, thinking that this might be G3's fault. I'm thinking this is like G3's fault. He's blaming himself for like letting them go to the mission. He's like Lance is like regressing in his arc. Yeah, he he's just he he's back in cause, again because like he doesn't have Octus to fall back on for like assist for like help and 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 like and guidance. <laughs> So he is back to feeling, like, lost, and, like, all he cares about now is protecting Ilana, so it's like they can't even stay anywhere for very long. Even though, arguably, anybody who would realistically be after them, like, either either actively isn't looking for them, or, like, G3 could probably find them whenever they fucking wanted to, so it's like, it doesn't fucking matter, but Lance is scared and confused and doesn't know what the fuck to do. So... That's when a monster shows up, and they can't really fight it, but suddenly another robot shows up. It's the, the hammer. hammer. <laughs> the, the hammer. hammer. Uh, General Steel has built a robot based from the rocket that Tashi was brought in, which I like, no more continuity. Yeah, like, it's just it's just made up of a bunch of Mutrati shit that they've, like, salvaged from, like, the whole season. And so they have which this I did, big I did Pacific... always, like... That, that 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 is one aside I want to do real quick. I, as I did like because they they showed it a lot in like the other G three episodes and stuff of just like all, all of the leftover shit that they they, they they like scooped it up like whatever they could and like researched it and also just like they're XCOM. They, yes, and also like anything that got left behind. Like there was just one episode I forget when it was, but it's just like um. Lance is just like I think it was the disenfranchised. Like, didn't they have like a concert on like the wreckage of of like basically a robot monster they killed? I think so. And just like it just becomes like part of the scenery, and like everybody immediately just becomes accustomed to like giant robot and monster parts just like scattered throughout their fucking city. I love that shit. Yeah. So, uh, the, I like the hammer. It looks like a Pacific Rim mech. I like its control panel. Like it's control yeah. center. It's fun. John DiMaggio sounds like he's seconds away from having a heart attack. I I, I liked that. Like the okay, so <laughs> it's you know it's a robot. It doesn't have to look like anything. It just has to be mobile enough to do what you want a robot to do. So it doesn't have a head because it doesn't need a head. Nothing needs a head. You just put a fucking camera on it, whatever. Um, but it has f- fists. The fists 
are a facade. It does not have hands. The fists open up like a toy does, but in real life, meta-narratively, and has, like, guns and shit underneath. But he it's... still felt the need to make them look like clenched human fists. With a shitload of guns everywhere. It's like, the hammer is like that scene from Megas XLR where they're smashing every button that just says, like, more mm-hmm. missiles. Yes, it's very Megas. Uh... And one of the best bits in this episode is Steel uh, watching the news and just repeating just, the hammer over and over again. He's just clicking through every news station and waiting for someone to say something cool about the hammer and then changes it to the next one and goes like, ha ha, the hammer! John DiMaggio's having so skippy. much fun. And like, meanwhile, he's, he's, he's in his quarters, but he's still in Full fatigues, boots on, helmet on, and when he answers the phone, he just clanks it up against his fucking helmet, and he probably can barely fucking hear anything. I mean, he's probably deaf from fucking artillery fire. Very true. Um, so I think at this point, Solomon is like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is... I forgot exactly, because it's like, um... Is that in this episode or the next episode where, where G3 and the military almost come to a fucking war? Um, no, that's, I think that's like the, the, no, that's the next episode because the, this, this episode. I watch ends. these two back to back so they, they blend together to me, but it's also two apart. Yeah, so like. Yeah, th- th- this episode, this episode ends with G3. This episode ends with G3 intervening and, like, rescuing Lance and Alana from the military, and then yeah. the, the new beginning opens with, with, uh, with Steel, with Steel's leading an assault on, on G3's airbase. Yeah. So, at that point, they, they all, all, um, like, a, three monsters show up, and Alana actually, in a moment of diplomacy, is like, listen, like, we're all, why don't, we blow, why, don't, why don't we all fight one? Yeah. And they all do. The hammer gets destroyed because of, like, overconfidence, I think. And at the last second, I think G3's mysterious leader fixes Octus. So that they can yeah, form Titan. There, there's, like a, there's, like, a sequence before that because they, they, they go to G3's base... After after they get rescued, they get they get brought up to G 3s base and 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 um. Uh, he's he's just he's he's just fucking like you y'all can you you guys can stay here like we can work on Octus while you stay here you can just live here in this cool in this cool air base. Yeah, like, I love that. Like you can it, it has a bed, it has TV, it has this. <laughs> it just it has, a, it, it has a ping pong table for your recreational needs, um and uh, and then he. He shows up the next day like i'm sorry there was nothing we could do about oxus we tried everything i really thought we could help and then he just sort of like knowingly looks at a security camera and then it cuts to like who's watching the camera and the implication that i got is that he is is that he he was instructed by this shadowy figure to tell the kids that there was nothing that they could do, but he, but and then later on in the episode, he's secretly working on Octus. That would make sense. I, e. I, I just feel because once again, all apparently there was ten more episodes written. Yeah, 
uh, in a 2018 interview, apparently Tarkovsky said that. I'm only, I'm just, I'm reading Wikipedia. I read that on Wikipedia, so I'm, I haven't yeah. read that interview. So, um, but that's. So, yeah, they, they probably had some idea, because it's like, not only did he bring Octus back to life, he upgraded Octus so that, um, nothing visual, unfortunately, but, um, again, my my problem with n- the later half of New Getter, uh, yeah. it's just an implied upgrade. Mid-season upgrades. The- Fucking, yeah, shit, man, fuck, Sh- Shin Titan. Can I can I say one thing that's a missed opportunity for me was is you notice that the Titan has like Mega Man health bars on its legs? Yeah. I w- I was like, what if like what if it had those on its arms and that was like it actually had health bars? Yeah, or it was like an Ultraman thing where they slowly depleted. Yeah, and or they, they like they they, or they had the monster, they had or they had to, the had to like charge up. Yeah. To you like that that's what that's like if I was running this show I'd be yeah. <laughs> Every time, if I was running the show, every time they got hit, the screen would freeze and it'd go. Dee, 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 dee. What if, what if the Titan had a big gun? That'd be cool. That'd be cool. What What yeah. if Keith just like, not Keith? What if Lance just like shot Keith from Voltron with like a gun? That'd be cool. <laughs> what if Octus fucked? I think he did. <laughs> uh, I think he found a way. But uh, Kimmy's one... not. Kimmy doesn't. Kimmy's. Kimmy doesn't play around. Kimmy's. Kimmy's a thought, and I say that endearingly. The one thing I do like about the new beginning is that they actually have. Because like when they're in Titan, they're like have they their their bodies are like floating suspended in like the Matrix, mm-hmm. and they have like a hologram of their head kind of talking, and they gave and usually Octus is just floating there in like robot form, but like now there's actually like a hologram of Newton of Newton. Yeah, I did. I did notice that too. And, that's, and I was that's like, I was kind of thinking, like, what does that mean? Does this mean that Octus and Newton is Newton's no longer an alter ego, and he now identifies as Newton the person? Yeah, I think that's just him, like, accept it, like, embracing him, his actualizing movies. as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, what what I would presume the season two would have gone into is like. Uh, <laughs> G3 probably did something to him. They're probably tracking him somehow or, like, keeping tabs on them better somehow through Octus, and there's probably a whole thing about that. General Rochino will show up five episodes in being like, aha, I placed a tracker on you, that's how I found you. Yeah, or, or like, maybe G3 can, like, low-key fucking... Maybe they gave Octus an inhibitor chip and they're gonna fucking order 66 him at some point. <laughs> what if the Shadow Leader of G3 is just Rochina from fucking Votoms. God. I was gonna say, like, fucking Lance's dad. That would be cool, too. Um, but he seems like this really big, hulking, mysterious thing. But again, like, that could easily just be like, I don't know, fucking... Anything. Yeah, they just just wanted to give him a silhouette different so that you wouldn't recognize him, but then it's just like, I don't know, it's a big coat he immediately takes off. It could be any fucking thing, it doesn't matter. But um, that's symbiotic Titan in a in as as in, in a nutshell. Yeah, they 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 defeat all the monsters and fucking General Steel's like, "Darn you, Titan!" I like how he like begrudgingly thanks them and then walks off the interview. That was pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, he like rips his lapel mic off and walks away. I was really hoping they would do the gag where it takes him five seconds to reply because it's a satellite interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Um. I, I asked you this question, and you answered me a lot quicker than I thought, because I thought you'd want to mull over this, but if we were to get more symbiotic Titan, 
would mm-hmm. you want it to just continue as if nothing happened? Would you want it to be uh, like a big finale thing? Like we're going to give this an ending, a la the Samurai Jack reboot, where it's darker and grittier and it's an ending. Or would you prefer they just reboot it from the start with the same vote with the same cast, but with a more contemporary edge, like same premise, same cast? They just start the story over. I think you know we since since we are now, since we are so deep in this era of pop culture where so many things are being picked up and either remade or continued. Um, I've come to I've come to personally want certain things out of certain continuations, and it really depends on the initial text. Like you know when something was when some whenever something was very much of its particular era i usually <clears throat> it's that's hard no yeah i i whenever it was of its particular era it was made in like you know that that show like a show in the 90s was very much about being a show in the 90s like th- this show could only only resonate in the 90s i usually want it to have some sort of a time skip and pick up like in 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 quote unquote modern day or at the very least like the like, Twin Peaks reboot it's is pretty much about the fact that there's 25 years between Twin Peaks and the return. Yes, that's like that's almost the main focal point of the story is that all of these subplots stagnated for 25 years and let's see what that looks like to the to people. Yes, let's and see then, what that actually looks like. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I think of again going back to Western cartoons. I think please of, watch I Twin think... Peaks: The Return. It's phenomenal. I intend to. Um, I think of I think of the Hey Arnold movie, like the the Jungle movie that they did, and that was like literally it takes place immediately after the last episode of Hey Arnold, um, because and, and honestly, like when you when you watch it, it really feels like they did not change that script. That is the movie they wanted to make. That is the movie they had every intention of making. Um, and then they just, they just made it. And like, the only thing different is like the animation's better and the the voices are a little bit different because it's been a minute. Uh, but it's all mostly just like exactly how you would remember it. And you can absolutely just, you can absolutely just watch the last episode of Harold and watch the jungle movie finale and go like, yep, they just, it just kind of feels like they waited a while to make it because Nickelodeon didn't let them. And I think that's that's what I would want for this because, like, Hey Arnold, like this one, it was made in a particular era, and but it is also a pastiche of other things that give it a timelessness that I yeah. still think works today. There is, you know, there are, you know, it does deal in a lot of tropes, but the tropes aren't what make the show, and it's not what people remember, and it's not why people like it. Like, I feel they could they could soft modernize this it's only been a decade but they could it wouldn't be too hard you just smartphones are more of a thing the internet's more of a thing social media is more of a thing that's really it and and honestly it it was it was more of a thing in 2010 than this show even showed it being (laughs) yeah specifically because kenny tarkovsky's an old man and doesn't fucking want to even even deal with that shit kenny tarkovsky's politics are grill and the only thing he'll aggressively argue about, with in terms of your opinion, is if you like the wrong kind of beer. Yeah. He probably has shit taste in beer. 
No, he likes. He says he really likes IPAs and he really likes the hops, but he just keeps buying PBR because he's been drinking that since college. Yeah, right. Honestly, you know what? No, he. I think he's probably. I would see him as somebody who absolutely did not like the IPA trend when it happened, and he to this day just calls it like a fucking fad. Oh my god. He only drinks stouts. He no he he no he he drinks like Yingling. That's oh yeah. It. Just Yingling. Just Yingling. He won't even drink like fucking I don't know, like what didn't they make like Yingling like like a blonde or some shit? I don't know. Oh, like no. no, I don't know anything about beer. Um, I'm a weed guy. <laughs> but no, like um yeah, no. This like this, this show's good. I I I think I think it could have, they they could just produce they could just produce those ten episodes they wrote, and I don't think you would lose anything. I don't think it would feel out of place. So um, you, that's that's so that's the course you'd want to take. You would you would just want them to just keep doing the show. Would you want like two years to go by? Maybe they're like, well, we're done with high school. Maybe, but also I think they got they. I, I think I think in the middle of that first season's production, they they really found their balance of 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 high school shit and robot shit. Like once they really got going with the plot, they didn't drop the high school stuff, but just enough of it was there. They they made sure that it was always like a good focused character reason and not like, well, this is like the fourth episode of the first season. We fucking what if one of them joins a club like shit like that like they stopped doing that really early on and i I, so i'm i don't even necessarily care that they're still in high school like they could do that and i'd be fine with it because i i trust them now but that would be neat fucking symbiotic titan colon the college years i i don't know so that's 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 symbiotic titan this was our first western cartoon uh last question before we dip um How do you think this compares as a West, as an earnest Western super robot show? Like, how do you think this holds up as a mecha show? Not looking at it as a Gendy Tartakovsky cartoon, not looking at it as a cartoon, looking at it under the, the lens of we are giant robot people. We are established in the tropes, the genres, the deconstructions, the reconstructions, and the different trends of the mecha genre. How would you classify this as a Western take on this genre? I think it's unique. I th- within within the super robot genre, I think I think it's really I think it's unique specifically because it is a super robot show that, in some ways, isn't interested in its own genre. Because it's like most of that stuff is coming from is coming from like all of its like ninety percent of its inspirations aren't even necessarily mecha. It's like some very light Voltron shit, and that's it. Even the way that the robot combines isn't necessarily Voltron. It isn't necessarily anything. It's it's extreme. It's it's an extreme. It's a combining robot, but it's an extremely unique one. It doesn't it doesn't technically combine. They just sort of meld they just sort of melt together into a completely unique being that you can't make from its disparate parts it's very interesting it is concept it's very it's very conceptual i like that i think this is a, a i think if anyone going forward wants to make western mecca look to this as a blueprint Yes, and like th- this, I I would honestly more this put than this... Voltron than Voltron reboot, and like th- th- this show is in some ways the flip side of the good Western mecha coin 
to a show that we'll probably eventually cover down the road, uh, Megas XLR, which we've mentioned already in this episode, but because Megas XLR is, one, less serious, it's mostly a comedy, but it's mostly two, a parody. Yes, but it also, Megas XLR is extremely interested in the super robot genre. Yes, it, there's, like, deep, deep cuts in Megas XLR. so many, like, m- more than, on, like, I... I even at the time I was aware of how deep the cuts were, I think if I watched that show now, I would have an aneurysm. I'd be like, how did, I did. They, even know, how did they even know this shit existed? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, so, I would say use this as a blueprint. Uh-huh. I, 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 w- I want to see more Western mecha. Pacific Rim, I thought, was going to start a trend of that, but the sequel was terrible, and then that's just how w- w- the West works. That's how the West was lost. <laughs> that's how that's how the that's how the West lost pop culture laws is that everything is incredibly funded by committee and there's not enough mavericks who don't give a shit and abuse the system like Yoshiyuki Tomino. <laughs> Do you know that Tomino completely lied about the, what the plot of Ideon was to toy companies and they started selling toys way before the show even came out and he just used that money for the animation budget? God damn, I love that man. That and then when they the when fuck. and then when they yelled at him, they're like, "Well, you should have watched that. You shouldn't have made the toys before the show came out, then, shouldn't you?" And then he hung up on the phone. Wow. Where they're like, "Tommy, this isn't about this isn't about protecting your community and and learning like good values." And he's just like, "Well, you should have watched the show then. Maybe you should have held I'm off on so- making those toys then." I'm sorry, I have to go. I have to fucking I have to storyboard a scene where a toddler's head gets blown off. <laughs> Don't Click. spoil. Be invoked. That's like the one scene I know about it. But yeah, you can so, cut that if you want. I'm not even joking. You can cut it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I might. I'll see how I feel when I'm editing this because this is really long. But I'm probably gonna cut a good like hour from this episode. Yeah. Um. But I know we're going long. But we got an email. Oh, we do. We have an email. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Yeah. Um. It's it's a pretty short one. I don't even know if either. I I haven't seen this show they're asking us about. Um. Or this. Manga, but um, it's from Kyle Summers, whose name I recognize from Twitter. They're they're like a Twitter, they're like a Twitter follower of, of mine, I believe. Um, but uh, this is a uh, okay. The subject is you've been killing it. Thank you. Uh, this is a top notch podcast. Glad you're back. Also, do either of you have any opinions on the mecha anime Bokurano? Oh yes. I don't. Oh, I don't know what this oh, is. Oh so yes, Tooch. You know how I really love depressing manga. Oh boy. Uh, Bokurano is the manga that got me into hyper depressing manga back in high school. Oh wow! And That's uh, formative. Bokurano has a really good opening for the anime. Uh, it's a really, really good, good opening. But I remember not liking the anime, and also remember remember that the director, I mean that the mangaka was not a fan of how the plot was changed. Hmm. And I would like to do to eventually cover Bokurano because it is a very n- non-conventional mecha series and I don't want to like talk too much about what the premise is just because I feel it would be even more impactful. If you to, if you just read the first chapter, either your jaw will drop and you'll be like, "Oh." Oh. And I don't want you to know anything more than just that. Apparently the the mangaka for for this for for Bokurano did the uh did some character design work for Shimagama Tensei Devil Survivor 2. I would believe that. 
uh, a sp specifically, you'll probably know what this word means. I don't. Septentrion, Septentrion is character design. What I... the fuck is a Septentrion? I I'm just blinking a lot. Uh, Septentrion's Devil Survivor Two. They look like weird. They look like they look like angels. They look like Evangelion angels. Cool. Uh, here, let me show you a picture of what the robot from Bokurano looks like. It's called Zerth. That's what they name it. Without getting too much into the plot, but that's... Yeah. Oh. But I would love to do Bokurano at some point because yeah, the, these are the these are the weird these are the weird aliens that attacked Japan in Devil Survivor Two that that the, that this person designed. I love it. They look like Evangelion angels by way of Madoka Magica. Yeah. Uh, but yes, thank you everybody. Uh, we went long in this episode, but it's probably not going to be as long for you guys at home. It's at least going to be cut down by at least forty-five minutes. You can follow us on Twitter at Metrospective. You can follow me at at row underscore Bohemian. That's row as in R O no W R O underscore Bohemian. Mm -hmm. You can uh, you can follow me on on Twitter at uh, out of Tooch, all one word, and you can email us like Kyle Summers did at um, Metrospective at gmail dot com. If you have any corrections, uh, because we love being right, because we have big brains. But if you our, make brains our brains are very big, they're so huge. And if you want to make them even bigger by telling us correct facts that we didn't know, you can subject line, "Hey douchebag," um, with some dropping some some knowledge on us. Yes, and uh, one last thing, you know what would be cool. If you guys uh, rated us five on iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes, because fuck iTunes. Yeah, you hear me, you hear me, fucking Apple. I know we're on your podcast service, but but the way that a lot of um just getting us more listeners works is that the more ratings we have on iTunes, the more you know, the more we show up as recommended. Mm -hmm. So and so even even if even if we even are on non on... even on not iTunes on any podcast service, you usually use iTunes metrics to gauge that. Yeah, any podcatcher of choice. So it's like, uh, just it would be really cool if if you have some spare time. Just even if you don't, if you have an old Apple account or just make a burner one, just write us a review. Even if you don't like us, at least a, a review is a review. You, you can shit talk us all you want, but also still please rate us five stars. <laughs> yeah, it's and once again, like, don't feel obligated to use iTunes. We're not telling you to use iTunes. I don't use iTunes. I don't even own a single. I have a, I have a MacBook. I lied, but I. <laughs> I don't I don't use iTunes for anything. So like even if you just make a burner account, that's good enough. Yeah, I I I recently had to log into my old iTunes account for some Oh, it was for this <laughs> It was for this. Uh, and like it was just like such a weird fucking thing trying to remember my fucking iTunes login and shit. It's like I just haven't used the fucking service in ages, but um yeah but uh sh shoot us a review that would that would be super kind of you and we'll read it on the show and that's always we fun. will we will read reviews um so until then we'll be back next week with Ideon where we're gonna really fucking cry at some robots Space Ideon. Ideon. Ideon.